0: So don't settle. Find love at first drive, and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax—the way car buying should be. What is up, Gypsy? Going? We're back for another episode. Sorry, it's been a little bit uh, more of a layoff than we are used to, but the last couple of months have been hectic. Uh, we did X Games, we did the X Open, then we did New Zealand. And practically none of that was planned. Uh, in between, we had to do uh, a shoot for the guys at Fox Australia, which is live now. You can Google that uh, or type it into YouTube. Uh, Dean Ferris MX19 made for the next step. Boom! Uh, turned out really, really good. I'm very stoked on it. it was the first moto thing uh, I've done. I think, since Dungy's Homegrown Project. So it's been a minute for me uh, to get back on there. Uh, And it's fitting because that is today's guest, Dean Ferris. Um, And this is a really, really good podcast. Um, Dean's a guy that I haven't had a lot to do with over the years, but as we talk about in the podcast, we've known each other for over 10 years now. Uh, He's a guy that keeps to himself. He lives up in the hills in Kyogle uh, and even like people that know him don't seem to know him that well. He's like an enigma wrapped in a mystery, um, but he just keeps to himself. He's not a guy that wants like all of the excess that can come with being a uh, motocross champion. Uh, He just is a dude that is super, super competitive and he has... A real insatiable drive to do well uh super uh self-motivated and it just makes him an interesting dude and i honestly was apprehensive about doing a podcast with dean because i just didn't know what i'd get out of him and how much he would say or give away but it turns out he really uh really opened up during this podcast he's a fun dude um when I did go up to Kyogle and hang out with him, uh, and I think it translates in this podcast. uh, Just got to give a quick shout out to our awesome sponsors, First Cab Off The Ranks, the homies at Nobby Underwear. Uh, This has been a super, super fun year working with these guys. Like I I cannot say enough uh, about not just the product, but the people behind this brand. They've opened up so many doors for us this year. Um, and I had no idea what we are in for when we did a deal with these guys. Um, and that's what I want. I really want the advertisers and the supporters of this podcast to really become a part of the culture of this whole thing. And that's really what's happened. Um, but with that being said, if you want to join the Nobby Nation and... Get in on this thing of ours that we've got going. Uh, You can head to knobbyunderwear.com.au, 20 bucks every month, and that gets you a fresh pair of duds, unseen. It's just like a little Christmas present, 12 months of the year. And I like it, I'm not mad at it. They also just released a a Christmas gift pack collection. I'm quite sure that you can go online and buy that standalone just without the subscription. So if you want to test the waters, if you don't trust me, you don't take my word for it, uh, that they're the best undies you'll ever wear. Uh, Then go get yourself this little three pack. I think it's a two pack actually. Um, Actually, yeah. Yeah, it is a two pack and a stubby holder. I got it the other day. Uh, Get there, check it out. And then you know what? That can be a little entree. That can be a sample pack into the world of Nobby. Uh, And then from there, pretty sure you're probably just going to sign up. Uh, also, big shout out to Boost Mobile. Uh, you guys know how much of a fan I am of their data plans. are on the full 4G Telstra network. Uh, I don't think you can get a better prepaid, pay, uh, blah, 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 pre-paid plan. Say that three times fast uh, in Australia. And they want to win a bunch of awards. So I think that people that know more than me about prepaid plans also think that they're the best in Australia. All right, so we have a new sponsor for this month, which I'm pretty excited about it, and that is the homies at Motorcycle Accessory Supermarket (MCAS.com.au). Uh, they are doing a massive Christmas sale right now, where you you'll score up to 69% across that entire store. Yep, sounds like Ronnie Mac has had something to do with this deal. Uh, speaking of deals, if you use the promo code. Uh, Gypsy Gang, in all caps, you'll receive a further 5% off all purchases, and that includes the stuff that is already marked down. Uh, So there's a minimum of 30% on all uh, 2018 motocross apparel, 50% off twin wall bars, uh, which I'm a huge fan of, and 20% off Bell Moto 9 MIPS torch helmet, uh, and those helmets are gangster. My brother runs those. Uh, Toby runs those. Pretty much everyone runs Bell these days, I feel like. Uh, And then they've got a ton of road deals um, if you're a road bike guy, which I kind of want to be more and more. Um, I'm actually going to Vietnam to do a road bike tour with my family in February. So maybe I need to get on there and get some stuff as well. Um, So yeah, massive thanks to those guys for coming on board. Uh, Definitely helps us out, especially as we close out the year, working on a new studio, all that jazz, and it takes um, it takes sponsors to make that happen. So really appreciate them coming on board, and I really appreciate everybody that jumps on and uses that promo code. Get yourself some discounts, um, and yeah, like I said before, just thanks for everyone for supporting uh, all of our sponsors and like the support lately with. Uh, people joining the Nobby Nation has been incredible, um, random dudes coming up to me at 4am in the uh, Auckland Casino showing me their nobbies. so yeah, I really appreciate it, and uh, it goes a long way to making uh, this podcast better for everybody, so appreciate it, and without any more of me spewing nonsense, Dean Ferris. The great and powerful and mighty Dean Ferris joins us on the Gypsy Tales podcast today. It's happening, mate. How are you?
1: Yeah, good, man. Um, actually just on a bit of a road trip, packed up the van and just heading, heading away for a few days, get it, you know, just get outside.
0: Yeah, so Kyogle, I'm going to just adjust this real quick, probably went a bit hard on that. So Kyogle is a pretty good place to be Dean Ferris. When you are doing motos every single day and training, but now that you are not doing that, how is Kaihogo? Does it get a little bit? Uh, does it get a little bit monotonous? Yeah, no, it's all
1: right. I got I got a pretty cool little house on a hill, so um, it's pretty chilled. I have got the farm, got my daughter, got my family. We um ride ride the one ten around and hang out in the farm. You know, just go hang out with the cows. But uh, yeah, I was I was just saying that um, kind of got sick of you know not going anywhere. I am not used to that, so. For those of you who don't know, I had a bit of a crash a few weeks ago, you know, it spelt the end of my season, so um, I've just been kind of laid up at home and watching TV and I don't know, doing whatever, and just yesterday morning, I was like, I oh, Renee, well, let's leave home. I'm not used to it. I'm not, I'm not used to being at home for, you know, three weeks on end, so yeah, yeah on a bit of a road trip.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, mate, before we go any further, holy shit, The Bachelor last night. Oh, dude. Mate, did you see that coming? <laughs> because uh, we so I, right, I, we give we got to give people some context. Yeah. So this isn't fully random. The what a couple weeks ago we were shooting uh, the new Fox project which is going to drop around the same time as this yeah. this podcast and we had a super windy day. So there wasn't much else for us to do except watch the recorded episodes of The Bachelor so we're in on this yeah we are that was
1: a whole crew of this and uh we're, oh, that was a that was a sick episode we we're on the edge of our seat that was i don't know th- three weeks ago when it that was the camping episode wasn't it with Romy, was uh, it oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah episode? we watched two i think we watched two in yeah, a row and yeah. it was like when the mean chicks were there and, and the show was just epic it was <laughs> <there>. <laughs> uh, but yeah i kind of seen it coming that um I, I did too by the end i was uh, like he's yeah not, he's not i mean the last him. couple of weeks i was like it feels like he's just let it go and he's just he's just doing what he has to do on this show. And then like I don't know, Brooke walking out, that was That was big. That was big. I didn't expect that. She was a favourite and I'm like, oh something's happening here. Like the producers are kinda of, you know, it was like a little cop out for him or something. So What so- was
0: I didn't watch that episode. What was his reason for kicking her out? um not no
1: brooke walked out because she she got all she she, she got all insecure so on their last date you know he wasn't really giving her much to work with and brooke's like oh no it's over so anyway she walked out and then he was left with the other two and yeah well if you haven't watched yeah we know what happened he just didn't didn't choose one so what he's
0: got what he's done is he's gone look ratings are through the roof every single hot chick in australia now knows who the badger is yeah and i'm gonna go on ai am gonna go on a world tour i'm gonna be sponsored by trojan and uh and I'm <laughs> like he said in epi- like he said in episode one though
1: it was like grand finals night with all the girls coming through <laughs> can you imagine his life now <laughs> oh mate i didn't even know who the honey Badger was i mean, i know he's super famous but i knew him from the tradies ad obviously now i know him from fo- i don't follow football but mm. know him from football now and I, I think he's a wicked dude. He, he kind of sued that show, eh? Yeah, it was pretty classic. Learn, like I learned heaps of one-liners.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. So that's how I first. Well, I, I'd like watch the union and stuff. So I sort of th- knew him a little bit through the footy. But um, there's a there was a YouTube video going around. You've probably seen it now, where he um, basically just all the one-liners, all the one-liners, man. Yeah, yeah, They're, I've seen it. How is the one where he goes? Um, Oh, i could have scared a dog out of a butcher shop oh mate that is all yeah. time yeah, yeah yeah so anyway i had to i had to get that in i'm still bloody i saw it coming last night because like i was thinking I'm like, oh, my God. he's just freaked out that this that uh britney is it britney no, no Brooke what, left no what no. so what was the last Br- the- britney and um sophie yeah there was yeah so that yeah. britney chick she's like he was just intimidated by the fact that she was the full package, I reckon. And he's like... Look, Maybe, like, actually, yeah, he might have
1: got strapped down with her.
0: Yeah, he knew that he was like, look, she's just going to want to put one in the oven. And like, mm. yeah, he was just going in a bit too deep. So I think he wanted to see what life post-celebrity... But I actually had... Um, one of my friends said, because he was up in Cairns not long ago... Yeah. ...while the show was still airing. So like, they've got to be super careful with what they do and say... While the show's not filming Because then once it's fi- finished they got to like edit it and shit They're not doing it on the run Yeah But he was banging a bunch of chicks in cans apparently Yeah So kind of word got <laughs> back And I was like Oh I don't know if he's going with anyone is not going to work out
1: yeah, I actually so. run into him at um, LAX airport um, Back in June I did a flight over to America I'd have some meetings with teams And we're at the Virgin Lounge And he waltzed in and you know, this is just before I knew he was going to be on Bachelor, and I was mm. like, That's the dude from the Tradies ad, Tradies ad, right? Yeah, but he, he kind of looked like he didn't want to be bothered, so I didn't didn't
0: bother for a picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> shit cracks me up, eh? I um, I saw uh, the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age on a flight to New York once, and um, he straight away, like, he was in first class, and I was uh, like, the Prior, like the next priority Premium, like yep. yeah back when i actually had like good status and shit in the states <laughs> and i was flying to new york seeing him locked eyes and instantly he knew that i knew who he was and as soon as i his whole demeanor changed like i'm about to have a fan moment here and i just can't be fucked yeah so i just i just like on the way by i just like <laughs> gave him a little wink and a fucking nod and he like looked back like really surprised like i read yeah. that he didn't want to be fucked with. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. because I was Instant like... Instant respect then. He was like, oh, I "Big time oh, back. I want to give this guy time now. Yeah, so... Yeah. And because I was like the the next one boarding. So, the first class boarded. I was that next one. And then um, I did that. And like... Because if you stop and you're the first person in a whole line of people, everyone's oh, going to think, oh, who is, who is he? So, like, I would have fucked his whole It's day. funny you
1: say that. I was in Argentina 2015 for the Grand Prix. Anyway... Someone thought I was like Max Nagel or something because he won the Grand Prix, mm. Grand Prix before. And we're over there and they speak they speak Portuguese there, I think. Anyway, some person wanted to get a picture with me and this is on the street. And everyone from that little town in Barry Lodge just come to watch the Grand really? Prix. It was tiny, but then it was just going off because of the Grand Prix. One person got a photo with me. And Thank then it was everybody. just... Dude, I was just getting photos for like half an hour. <laughs> and these people didn't even know who I was <laughs> yeah. like I was, I was, at that time I was getting like 15th in the Grand Prix or whatever and they they just wanted to get a picture they're
0: like yeah 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 people that's that's real thing. like people just yep. go like oh he must be famous like i have got to get a photo yeah
1: not a clue who I was pretty funny
0: but so this guy at um, Josh uh, fuck, I can't remember his last name but anyway we get through the flight a bit and um, he he actually um, he actually got up and he came and he goes hey thanks for not making a scene and I was like nah man it's all good like I know you must get that shit all the time and I was like love your fucking music man like yeah you guys are rad and I think it was like right after I I just watched the this documentary that he was on and like I liked their music before but just seeing that doco it made me like frothing on him and I was like I just saw you in sound city and stuff like that so he stood there and had a yarn but like it was actually interesting to like that point of what you said about the badger, like you see him and that people just they do this look of like, oh, fuck, yeah. I just don't want to go into the badger mode as opposed to like just being themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, so
1: he he actually just went and he just went and lay down in the corner because he didn't want anyone to see him. And then actually, my daughter was running around virgin and she like crawling over him. And <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend had to go, but she she also didn't make a scene. He was just laying there. He was, was fine. Didn't want to be bothered, so yeah. we didn't bother.
0: Yeah, well, mate, it's uh, the bachelor's on the loose now that the, the cat's yep. out of the bag. But <laughs> yep. it's going to be interesting. I think there's like some special on um, Sunday night with like all the chicks in it because that's pretty big for like. And I sort of thought too, like, go with Soph, like pick Soph. She's a G up. Have some fun. If it doesn't work, like, yeah, see you later f- in a couple of yeah, weeks. Save face for like the media. Have the grand ending. You know how was mean? it?
1: He went to homecomings, and uh, one of the brothers asked. Hey, like, you, you ready to settle down? Like, no more partying, you know? Like, I don't want you to be partying for my sister. That's kind of what he was, you know, putting out there. Yeah. And he, he's like, oh, oh, man, you got a bit of balance in life, you know? Mm. Had all the answers. Yes, and and yeah. just there, you're like, dude, you, you're not settling down anytime soon, you? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you? Do you follow Jats on Instagram? Um, I don't think so, but I see a lot of your stuff. You need to follow Jats on Instagram. Oh, yeah? Like, fuck. He, so, he started a thing where... Because he was living with us, he's just gone back to Cairns now. Like through the season, but he um he's living with us, and we'd watch the batch, and then he started storying like and, and commenting, and dude, his shit was just getting blown up with like people. I can't wait for next. So like, people weren't even really watching the show, but then but they wanted to but see. They Jats wanted stuff. to see Jats' like it was like Aussie man reviews yep. of of uh, of his fucking Instagram. And man, some of the shit, like um, the first episode, because he's calling, like, yeah, these fucking bitches, like, he's blowing up. And his mum's <laughs> like, you know, you ride for Honda and all this shit. And Jats is like, oh, fucking oh! And like, started a bunch of shit. But then, as you went on, you just, uh, my whole Instagram feed is like people replying to Jats's stories and they're posting stories and like that was almost more fun than watching the show itself yeah right he gets more followers out of it dude he would have for sure but like last night i'll try i'll on. have to follow him now mate he's i a heard f- of he's a bit of, he's a bit of a character he's a fucking good follow you you probably haven't had too much to do with him eh nah bit of a um you're a bit of a one-man wolf pack (laughs) (laughs) i don't follow many people but uh you gave me a follow i was fucking hot mate yeah there you go i was like we were talking when we were at your place a couple weeks ago doing that shoot that for all the years like i reckon i probably first met you in like 07 i reckon or 08 Oh seven
1: oh eight yeah, some, probably somewhere around Queen, doing the Queenslands or something because you were oh, still know, living what, up what north. Have, way.
0: Yeah, what have it even been like when I was still racing? I reckon when you were doing Queenslands, eh?
1: What year did you you broke your collarbone? And you did a film of it. I remember watching that.
0: Oh, you, I, you, I was you, on you're the, riding
1: somewhere in Cairns, yeah? And I must have known you through Todd or Ford or someone like that, yeah and yeah you've cardied and you're like on a green stick and you're in there but i remember that
0: (laughs) dude that's (laughs) fucking funny yeah that would have been in like 06 i reckon holy yeah that was a while ago we had a sand. it's still there we had a sand track and there was like a it was rough as fuck like it was just in uh behind a housing subdivision yeah and it was just all sand so they never built anything there looked like a cane field
1: well it's cane everywhere there it would have been an
0: old cane field but, yeah, so it was just, like, real long grass. So we just had this track through the grass. And then as soon as it got too rough, you'd just go around it. And then the grass would go on the rough shit. So this whole paddock's just fucking... Full of holes. Oh, mate, like, it's proper rough. <laughs> uh, Mitch Evans still does a bit of riding on it. Yeah, right. But um, there was, like, the the straight where I crashed was, like, fourth gear. And you just... It was around, like, a big right-hander and just sand whoops the whole time. And I just got a big in-swinger. And, like, that crash was pretty much the That's end, right. Then, you had like, a helmet cam or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Dude, yeah. Because I, rem- I, I remember watching it go,
1: and you can kind of tell you're getting an in swing and then boom, boom, yep. and then,
0: and then you just cardion. And I stayed on it, and it just did nothing. And I was like, oh, I'll just pull out. What do you have on? They wouldn't have had GoPro back then. Yeah. Huh? It was, been it a, go- was it a GoPro? Yeah. It One been of the big like, heavy ones. Yeah, it would have been like an OG No GoPro wonder you already. crashed. Dude, <laughs> fuck. I, I, rem- I forgot that I filmed that, because I looked at a photo the other day of... Um, me like with the whistle it's on my facebook i think i like recently shared it but um yeah i forgot that I was before that. you had the beard though for way, sure way before Dude, i didn't have tattoos i didn't have anything then i was you got like tattoos yeah yeah oh yeah pretty oh. keep pretty pretty well pretty <laughs> well covered up but i i remember the photo because i saw it the other day and i was like fuck that was like before i actually had tattoos before i had anything i was only older than like being 17 whippersnapper yeah but we we were saying that so that's a long time ago but we'd never actually filmed together like I filmed you at Nationals oh riding. yeah that's where the story's going That's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome yep. to the podcast <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> it takes 10 hours just to get to the main bit um, but yeah we were saying like of all those years man even like we're at the KTM test track together at times like we've fucking spanned a long time but we've never really actually filmed together and then we did that Fox shoot for two days it's pretty sick yep yep
1: down in Town.
0: Yeah, but pretty crazy to go that long. Like, I've filmed with fucking everybody. Everyone. But the first That's what I mean, man. Just, I
1: just I just hide down there in Kyogre and get my work done.
0: No one knows what I do. You're the, honest to God, of all the dudes I've ever met, you are the closest guy to Dungy of, of anyone in terms of the way that you think about racing, you think about winning, you just do your own thing. Like, you're not interested in... Any of the fucking yeah, extras Yeah Dunja's like that eh You and Dunge are like Super fucking similar Yeah dude.
1: I got to know him A little bit uh, Obviously we we're teammates KDM, yeah. But Yeah man Everything Everything was racing mm-hmm. Obviously It's just like me really yep. Um, Pretty intense guy Around the racing But like Man he's He's got his feet On the ground Like mm. Really grounded yeah, he, he was cool actually. I, my mechanic was his brother Jade.
0: So Jade was your mechanic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: So um, when I went over there in America and I was trying to sort out an apartment, I was staying with Jade and and Dungey was there as well. So I got to know him like pretty mm. good. And he's, I didn't have a vehicle. He'd give me a lift to the to the test track and stuff. So yeah. To this he day, a good guy. Yeah, to yep. this
0: day, Dungey is one of the nicest people in motocross. Oh yeah, and everyone th- knows that. And gen- but genuine, like, there's definitely people especially guys that do the religion thing and are always you know kind of playing that card when it comes to like podiums and all that kind of stuff and not all of them are super genuine and when they say that kind of shit but Dunge just lives that life he's as as humble and as nice as he comes across like there's no act there's no like Dunge knocking off from being in front of cameras and then being like the real him, like that honest that, to God, that's just, just him. Is him. That that is him.
1: Yeah. Talking about religion and dunge actually. When I was staying with Jade, you know, like I'd grab, we would all grab dinner and we'd go, we you know, we'd go out to the dinner table. That and grace. Yeah, they was saying grace. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a couple of times I just uh, I'd start hooking into dinner and then all of a sudden they're like they come to the table and then you know they'd never say anything like and then they'll be sitting. I'll be like, oh. Oh, oh sorry guys sorry yeah. and they're like no 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 that's okay <laughs> yeah I, I'd, I'd say grace with him um you know i don't mind you know people want to be religious or fo- follow whatever that's fine um and i didn't mind saying grace either but it's just kind of strange you know it's we, different we, we're just different yeah, yeah we don't do it in australia or anyway yeah. That, yeah. that that was
0: that was kind of strange for me but yeah we we definitely don't come from that like it's just not that common in australia like to even with people that are super religious but, yeah, a lot of people over there, it's just grace before dinners and, yeah, yep. like, praying. And, like, when you were racing, they would have been doing, like, the service before riders briefing and stuff like that?
1: Yep, they were. I <laughs> always made sure I was kind of at the back and yep. so I didn't have to do that. I mean, it's their, it's their gig. You know, it's an American lifestyle, but yeah, I kind of felt weird about
0: kind of being yeah. there
1: doing that. It's not really my thing. It's their thing. So mm. um,
0: No, I agree. Like, whenever I used to do the... Um, like riders but at the outdoors, especially like you'd kind of after practice, you'd sort of you know go to the riders area, and then like, yeah, the whole thing goes on, and it's just yeah, it's very different to yeah, to different year, that's for sure. Um, did you like the states is probably well, I guess because you're going back, like obviously, there's some unfinished business there, like it was a pretty shit year for you, right?
1: Yeah, it didn't go that smooth. Um signed 250 for those of you you don't know um 250 supercross motocross um i did the first six rounds of supercross and didn't do that great i got the seventh um the biggest battle was i was like sick the whole time i don't know what it was if it was a new country you know disease you're not really acclimated to or whatever
0: what what, what did you get like no, what I was the symptoms i don't know just oh, kind like, of what, i was kind of, of fluy symptoms time? like yeah. I had
1: no energy so anyway um when i come back to sort out my visa because i was just just went there to do the first six rounds come back sort out my visa because it was all last last minute with kdm um got a 350 and i was doing a bit of practice in between starting to feel good and then um just a stocker anyway i was just probably riding it a bit hard for a stocker (laughs) and cardied broke my wrist like real bad Uh, was it at home yeah just just riding at home oh i had a mate's place in kogel and um it was like a four-month injury or something something like that and really? even when i got going it's pretty tender so i stayed here for a few months trained with guy andrews and then flew back to the states anyway how it went was like i was there you know training getting ready getting ready and it was already halfway through the outdoors at this time and i was like all right i'm good to go this weekend i went to roger and said hey man let, I'm, I'm good to go they had the bike in the truck ready for me to come back from injury and he's like hey something just come up um ice one husqvarna in europe they need they need a rider and they're like um, if you want to go back to Europe, we're cool with it. Like, we'll sort it out. We'll pay you, like, um, you know, KDM and Husqvarna. I need a rider over there. So whatever you want to do. And at that point, I was like, uh, I kind of want to go back to Grand Prix. It's not what I thought here. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, in a day and a half, packed up my apartment and I was about on a flight to Europe. And that was my American stint. But it wasn't more that I'd, I didn't like it there. Um, I was kind of just on my own, yeah. you know, just in a little town, a little apartment. And it was just kind of miserable for me at the time, you know, to come back from injury. And so anyway, I never, re- I, I didn't get to do the outdoors, which is what I really went there want, for, want you know, do, you, yeah. you know, like I, I thought I, I was only 23. I'll give it a good crack at Supercross. And if I get good at this, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go on with it. Um, But it didn't go that good. Didn't get a chance to go outdoors. Went back to Europe. Yeah. So then um, story, it, goes, story goes on from there.
0: It's a different deal, Supercross there, eh? Like what, surprised you because man the, the tracks ex- yeah the tracks
1: they don't look it on tv the whoops don't look big because they're going so fast across them but holy you, you walk some of them mm-hmm. on track walk you're and like
0: especially at the ktm test track yeah like the, these
1: are you know this is a rhythm like this is singles this is not whoops mm. but man they're they're like good at whoops and just everything like everything about supercross they're so good at mm. they're, they're the level so high there. Mm, and, and, you, and, and they're you doing get, that nine months of the year
0: motocross three months we're doing the opposite you know yeah yeah that's what when you sign that deal not being a hater I just was like dude Dean's not ready for this year for Supercross like it was you see guys like Keisha come over and Keisha's a fucking talented dude like he can ride the shit out of whatever you put in front of him and it's like what let him down wasn't his ability on a motorcycle whereas uh and like when he come over even he was struggling with the tracks and he was struggling with the whoops Mm. and this is like the natural talent dude that can ride the wheels off anything and i i was definitely like fuck i don't know if dean's gonna be able to come straight over and it's not just like the riding it's everything about moving to america being by yourself like you said and then there's so much expectation so much pressure like I would fucking hate to be the Dean Ferris that rocked up to that KTM track the first day had to ride supercross with Roger Acosta, Ian Harrison, all these motherfuckers looking at ya. Like that would have been a heavy day, I reckon.
1: Yeah, especially like Kenny was my teammate, Dungey, Moosecan and then there was me. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all cool actually. they were really trying to help me out. Um mm. well, well not Moosecan. He um he did his knee in the preseason. He went home to France. So I didn't see any any mm. of him, but like Dungeon Roxon, and, and anderson because well. we were riding at the same tracks yeah they were like really trying to help me so but it just kind of felt like i was pushing shit uphill with a toothpick yeah you know that <laughs> that's why when this deal came up to europe i'm like yep okay like i'm gonna go back there and try and it, it kind of felt yeah. like that was my backup plan and i don't know just just to make sure i you know get some base about me again because it just felt like yeah i wasn't going anywhere so back to europe and then that actually all went to shit as well i did a few grand prix's had had a few good results but then um went to brazil and just washed the front broke my leg my femur of all places in brazil in this like in the middle of brazil this drug town that's another story man like let's go into it all right let's go
0: so anyway we got like because toby told his dakar hospital story with his femur, yeah, and I seen I,
1: him in like a coloured hospital, like it, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Bad, eh? Yeah, man. So anyway, broke my femur. It's like, oh no. no, like I'm laying there on the track, on. No one knows how to speak English here because literally this town's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Anyway, just as well the doctor that got to me could speak English, so he's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Broken femur." He goes, "Is there anything else?" And I'm like, "No, no, I'm okay, just that." So anyway, when he got help, got me off the track. He he just he's like. He's like, just trust me. And he put his foot on my butt and he pulled my leg into traction. And I was screaming. He goes, no, 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 no. Trust me. Anyway, once I calmed down, I was like, oh, it doesn't hurt. So anyway, long story short, strapped me onto a, you know, a little bed, got me an ambo. Had to wait for the race to finish because we're on the infield. Oh, fuck. But that was all right. I was I was like, I was calm, wasn't hurt. Did you have any painkillers? No. Nah. Oh. I wasn't in that much pain, actually. I don't know. It was crazy. Because I had my leg in traction, it was I don't know, kind of straight.
0: As soon, isn't it crazy when you break a bone? Like, as soon as they put you in a cast, the pain basically goes away. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking weird, eh?
1: Yeah, but it was hot that day. I was, I was still sweating beads just from the shock of it. Mm. And then, um, the Ambo driver thought it'd be fun because they could just to pin it through town. It was like half an hour into the hospital, and the roads there are shit, mm. mate. Hitting potholes, and like the nurse in the back's like trying to hold me down. And what? I, Why? I don't know because we're like dude i'm don't rush i'm not hurting and these ambo i don't know just cr- crazy mexicans man yeah anyway team manager Andy Perona and he come with me because i had no one there it was just me him and a mechanic yeah and we get to the hospital doors open the ambulance everyone jumps out auntie's like i'll be back i'm laying there for like half an hour dude on the street
0: on like, the street
1: yeah like in the ambulance but like on the street doors open like this place is pretty dangerous and he comes back. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He goes, man, we've got to pay for you to get out of the ambulance cash. They're like, there's no policies here. There's no insurances. They don't They don't know what insurance is. I'm like, what? So anyway, he had to go rustle some cash from an ATM just Whoa. to get me out of the Ambo, right? They get me out of the Ambo. They push me in the first room in the hospital, right? It's that dirty. You wouldn't let your dog sleep there. Really? There's, yeah. And there's like a nurse coming by every half an hour, like tipping a bucket of blood in, in the sink next to me. And there's like cobwebs and holy dude. shit. So I was in this room for six hours, sitting there with my my mechanic kid made his way there by then and auntie. And that that was it. And they're like, oh yeah, we need half the you know half the cash deposit for for the operation. We're like, dude, we we can't get that much cash out. I can't remember how much it would have been like maybe ten thousand euro or something.
0: Far out, dude.
1: Yeah, my like mate we've got insurance trust us so we had to wait until you know a strain time until people woke up here call the insurance company and said hey i mean i'm in a bit of strife you need to tell the hospital you're gonna take care of this and they're like yeah yeah no problem put them on the phone i think there was like translators involved and they're, and they're like we will cover it just just fix him because at this point we'd looked at all our options even trying to fly back to europe wasn't possible so we're like we have to get surgery here and, and and actually the doctor that helped me on the track he was really good at english and he come in to see me to check i was, I was like, all right real good guy and um, he's like trust me the surgeon here is really good he fixed both my knees i'm brand new you know you need to get it done here you, we can't we can't move you so anyway midnight that night or a bit later or something and i was in there for like six hours in the shit room with no painkillers. no painkillers i had auntie pulling my leg because i had a weight you know off the end of the bed to hold it in traction, but it wasn't really heavy enough. So I had auntie like pull on my leg and he's freaking out because he can just feel it all moving.
0: Oh my God. Yep. Yep.
1: So, um, and when he would, I'd be like, oh, that feels so much better. And he's like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, don't tell anyone. Don't ever tell anyone I'm doing this. Really? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, um, they get me into the ward. It's like four, not 40, maybe 35 degrees. There's no air con, no fi no TV. Couldn't reach the phone. And I was stuck in Brazil. Oh. and I was laying there going, This is this is no good, eh? This is pretty fucked. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just lay there until the morning until the surgeon comes in and said, All right, I'll fix you. Anyway, did a good job, fixed my femur. Um and I, I, I told the the team, I'm like, dude, go home because there's nothing you can do now. Just just go. Anyway, that doctor that helped me on the track. He'd comes see me at my hotel every day I was really? going uh, yeah I'll stay there I got so out
0: you just got out of the hospital and went into a hotel until no sorry fly? I stayed
1: there for a few days so broke it on Sunday and I stayed there till Wednesday and then discharged and I stayed there for a week just so I wasn't flying with yeah if there was any complications had a motel anyway that that the doctor that helped me come see me every day and h- awesome. hung out had a had a beer or whatever it was down at the lobby and then he's like hey man Brazilian barbecue you have to come he's like I'll come pick you up tomorrow Anyway, he come pick me up, drove me through town, and he's telling me how dangerous this this drug town is and cause he's a paramedic. Um, oh, that's yeah. his job. Yeah. He pulls up at a butcher, right? And he just parks like pretty much on the footpath. And he leaves me with his revolver loaded. Right, <laughs> and says, If anyone comes to shoot them.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. What? It's that dangerous. He he carries a revolver with him to work, because he's like there's always like murders and stuff. Whoa. And he's always in like a bad situation. It's normally a drug deal going wrong or something like that. So he just left it with me and said that and just went into the butchers to get some meat for the barbecue. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there in the passenger seat just looking down at this revolver like, all right, well, I hope I don't have to shoot anyone because he's like, don't ask questions, man. Anyway, come back. No problem. We went to his house, right? And he probably got a pr- pretty good job for a guy in a town like this, but- just seemed like he lived in the ghetto, but that's just how it is there. Yeah, right. Anyway, he padlocks this gate for his garage and he's got razor wire mm. around his whole house, electric fence, everything.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, full on,
1: eh? It's full on, man. Anyway, long story short, he invited his, his family and his neighbors over and we had this wicked Brazilian barbecue. Like, it was unreal. Meats were cool. Yeah. And Did they um, make you have like chicken hearts and stuff? nah nothing crazy like that uh, just the way they cook it like slow cook it and yeah just the flavors were cool and um yeah like the neighbors come over and um the neighbors had a, a couple of young young chicks that were a bit oh a bit younger than me but they were really beautiful brazilian girls so we we're hanging out and that, i thought oh this is pretty cool there's a you know an upside to being, <laughs> being here <laughs> and he's like hey man you're not going back in that motel you stay with us yep and he had a maid and everything so he's like yeah, yeah just stay here and Next day he went and got my stuff from the motel for me and just hung out there for a week.
0: That's pretty sick, eh? Yeah,
1: had this maid like making me coffee and the neighbors were, like come pick me up, drive me around town, show me the sights.
0: That's so like sick. it turned
1: into like this little holiday.
0: That's cool. Yeah.
1: So um, real bad story that turned good and I'm still mates with it. You know, I was gonna say like do Facebook still. friends with all of them. Yeah. We hang out. Oh, don't hang out, but we chat every now and again. So if we're um,
0: gonna do the GPS again, it'd be pretty cool to like catch up with. Oh them, man,
1: mate. I. I'd love to catch up for him, but I never want to go back to that town. hopefully the Grand Prix doesn't.
0: What was the track any good?
1: Um yeah, track was all right. But huh. just man, Yeah, it's just it, sketchy. Shouldn't egg. have gone there and you know, like I was a, I was actually an example to, you know
0: Yeah, why you shouldn't
1: why we yeah. shouldn't go to these towns because like FIM didn't help. No nothing. They just That's fucked up, I egg. was just left there on my own. Luckily I had that team manager mm. you know, to fork out some cash just to get me out of the ambo. But uh, And lucky I had insurance because there's insurance companies like, yeah, no problem. Paid it.
0: so That's pretty wild, dude. So, that's a wild story. That's my Brazilian experience. I feel like that might beat Toby's Dakar story. Dude, the tip and blood into a sink next year has got to be pretty fucking full on.
1: Oh, man. It, oh, dude, you're just laying there oh, no.
0: Like. This is no good. Especially because you're about to do an operation where they're going to put you under. And it's like. You just, if you died, you're not like you know you're dead. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? That, that's a fucking huge leap of faith. Yeah, like, anyway. Got back from 10. Yeah. Dean's out. Never yep. fucking did But the, see sur- the again. surgeon
1: done a good job. So I was kind well, of. Toby's come.
0: leg looked pretty good too, considering that he got that. Um, yep. He got that surgery done in like wherever the fuck it was. It's actually the highest hospital in the world where Toby got his Oh, femur In dark. altitude? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was the. Like highest one that there is. Yeah, probably not that many doctors signing up for a uh, job at a hospital in the Himalayas. Wh- where
1: did he? Where did he break his leg?
0: Oh, I don't know, somewhere like um, because it's South America too.
1: The Dakar's yeah, Chile run down there, or, it Chile was, or yeah, Bolivia yeah. or something. I think, yeah. You know
0: what? I think it was Bolivia, man. Actually, yeah. But yeah, your story. Yeah, because they they ride over the Andes all the time, yep. back and forth into Chile. Yeah, 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 in and out. Yeah. So, fuck that shit. Sketchy. That's what Tove says Like the most sketchy thing about. That race is that. It's just. Oh, what's up, little one? Hey, we got another hey, guest. We got another guest on the podcast. We'll Giving an appearance. Yeah, get <laughs> get in there. You can have a little chat. Say hey, it's my little daughter sitting here with me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's gonna gonna uh, give us some words. Is she talking much yet?
1: no, uh, nah. Most things, dad. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and just I don't know. She communicates so well. Otherwise, with, yeah, really that. Um, she's not talking yet she's only like a year and two months old so yeah.
0: only knows a couple words did it did it uh, like change you you reckon when you had your first kid um some because a lot of people say like because I mean I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to think like oh I want to have kids and stuff like that so I'm like I'm getting more like legitimately curious you know where you kind of ask people like oh what was it like you know and you kind of don't give a fuck but now I'm like I don't know uh, I don't know if it changed me
1: but I think keeps you grounded for sure like i don't know you always got to think about bob and mm. make sure she's getting fed at the right times you know we're on a bit of a road trip at the moment but we're always you know got a little checklist what you got to do yeah. like make sure her nappy's good and it's like oh hang on we we better do this first and that first you know it's not like being a gypsy and you can't really <laughs> just jump in your van in, in one minute and be gone you know yeah. so you, you just got to be you just really got to plan yeah, plan okay. everything you know and she comes to the races with me and renee Yep. Um, every weekend and it's been no problem so we just got to be super organised and when we go somewhere leave ahead of time in case you know she soils a nappy or something yeah, yeah. like that so but we, we are super organised so it hasn't yep. been a problem
0: yeah, I feel like you're just a pretty organized dude in general. So it's probably, I feel like it's probably going to be more of a shock for me because I'm fucking insanely unorganized. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully Ricky will do a better job than me at being organized.
1: Yeah, you have no choice though. You just get kind of thrown in the deep end. And I if you're suppose. not, you will be, mm-hmm. you know, from from day dot because you've got no choice So Yeah, no, that makes sense. But it, it's awesome. Like, I, and I love her having her at the race. Like, for instance, at Coolum, you, you know, a couple months ago, won the championship and the celebrations and right at the end of the day it was like my favorite part of the day is i even put it in front of just racing i got to put her on my bike and just ride around the pits yeah right you know because well most days my comes riding with me on the 110 or on my bike or if we're practicing because she loves it eh? like we were
0: there when when we were there you rode off renee was still at the house and she got left at the house as well and she was off it like I wasn't at the track yet and she was losing her shit so
1: at Coolum she's seen all these bikes all day and she's wondering hey why 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 can't can't I I ride ride today like why can't I be on with daddy so at the end of the day I was like well you're not going to get in trouble you just won a championship so I can do whatever, (laughs) whatever I want and, um, you know, take for a little ride around the pits and she's just so happy that we can get to do that. So that was that's really cool and special for me too.
0: It's cool that that hey. is like almost better than just winning the race too, you know? Yeah.
1: And and we get to do it every day. It's so much fun. Yeah. I love it. And
0: then you got another one on the way? Yep. So um, Renee's 37
1: weeks now. So How I, long is that in pregnancy years? She, only another three weeks is full term. Oh, well, due in yeah, three yeah, weeks. Okay. She's full term now. So, I mean, as of... Now it can come anytime safely. Oh, that would be a gypsy tales first. Like, <laughs> having it here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We it thought here. it was going to happen a couple nights ago. There was, I don't know, something crazy happened. She's like, oh, I've got some weird pains, and I was trying to sleep, and I don't know, I was super tired. Renee's kind of up in the shower, and uh, I don't know, I was like, it might be on. Like, we, we might be just having the kid now. That'd
0: be pretty. <laughs> that'd be pretty loose, hey? How far is it to the hospital from where you guys go?
1: oh uh, we plan to have it up here oh. at the Gold Coast. So, it's a couple of hours. I bet it. She can play with pretty much everything except hard drives. But when Maya come, right? So, <laughs> she was due. Her due date was... Oh, darling. Oh, that's my fault. No, I think she just whacked her head on the table. <laughs> um, Yeah, her due date was at Echo Valley Nationals last year. And that's the day I wrapped up the title. Oh, really? Yep. And then um, the next day, Renee's waters broke. Yeah, right. So... We had the baby, well, we had Maya that week and then we went, well, it was Thursday before it happened and then um, stayed at the motel and Friday drove straight to Coolham with a one-day-old. So we're at the track the next day oh, for the last round of the Nationals. That's pretty sick. Yep, and then we stayed out there for a bit because we just love hanging out at Coolham, you know. Yeah. Spent a few days there off the Nationals, wind down a bit. So it was Wednesday before we got home. It was a week, it was almost a week before we got home with our newborn
0: oh that's crazy so
1: she's just been on the road with us ever since just yeah. comes everywhere
0: and a lot of people like um, and that's what my mum always said to me like that they never did they never changed their life at all because of having a kid so you see I feel like I even have friends where they don't really take their kids anywhere and then they're kind of yeah, always
1: stuck at home that was some good advice I got before we um before we had baby like they they come into your life so yeah. you know just keep doing what you're doing and we do we yeah. try you know Try our best to take her everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and it's like, yeah, because I'm man, we've got photos. Like, well, I even remember when my sister was born. She was like five or six months old, and we did a four week trip to the tip of Australia. So she just sat in a baby seat at six months old for like, yeah, it was like a month, man. Two weeks up, two weeks back, and like, there's um, I remember we were crossing the Jardine River, and the the ferry broke, so you got to drive through the like through the river we got yep. this old land cruiser with a snorkel we had to put everything on the roof and then dad drove it through and dad's holding my little sister holy up in like here she's six months old and he's like driving across the jardine river like fucking crocs everywhere <laughs> and shit oh, But dude. like six month old and damn yeah, i remember Mum always just saying like we just never changed not, anything. yeah we never not took kids anywhere and then like Never had problems at restaurants and all all that kind of shit because we were just always on the go with them.
1: Actually, we were gonna do a road trip to Harvey Bay. Oh sorry, um Cairns last December. Oh yeah. Or November is one of the two. And <laughs> yeah. um yeah, it was just it we got up to Harvey Bay and we were staying there, with family, and then we got going and we got to bunnenberg and we're like, Holy it's hot. And she was in a little capsule, so she's just burning up. Oh yeah. So we're like Nah, let's just hang it Harvey you Bay. Know, pretty nice here. Yeah. <laughs> Save us doing 2,000 Ks. Her in the capsule, she,
0: she wasn't liking it anyway. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference if they're not, not into it. <laughs> Man, it's cool you said about, about Coolum. I feel like our generation, because we're pretty similar age, our generation has like a – we've all got a pretty special connection with Coolum, I reckon, because of like the Junior Nationals being there for so many years and then that was all – well, I guess it still is the last stop of – the nationals. nationals. I have, feel like our age group really does have a thing with Coulomb.
1: Yeah, actually, funny you say that. That was my first junior nationals that I done. Oh, was it Coulomb? Sorry, I'm just putting my daughter down. That's alright. Yeah. So my my first junior nationals was 2005 at Coulomb. Yep. Yep. I was I just turned 15. Rode, rode so you the,
0: didn't do a national before that?
1: Nah, nah. My, <laughs> we'll go into that. But I didn't do much at all as juniors. Yeah. So I was 15. First junior nationals and it's, fu- it's funny you bring it up actually just a few months ago I was like I wonder how I went at that event because I can't really remember I remember qualifying 4th like I was I was pretty good even though I didn't I wasn't on the national scene or doing I didn't do yeah. um, Queensland's or nothing and I qualified 4th on the 125 and I finished 16th
0: really yeah outright at your first nationals
1: yeah yeah 16th I think I finished
0: 8th overall on the two fifty f. see there's another dungeon comparison like, Dundee didn't do shit. Yep. And it's like, there, there's something to be said for the guy that gets beat a lot as a kid. Yeah. Because you look at, like... So, let's talk a... Uh, like, look at the dudes that were the stars. You got Cade. You got... Um, uh, even Jesse Dobson was one of those star kids. Uh, Keisha was one of those star kids. Ty Simmons was one of those star yep. kids. And it's like you, Gibbsy, Todd. Like, the guys that were kind of like never really quite got the same shine as those dudes really seem to have gone on to do the bigger stuff in the sport overall right yeah i remember um well todd won
1: a few junior nationals he, he was a bit of a star i think um in O, I i think
0: the thing with todd though is because we lived so far away that he didn't really get He didn't have it easy no he didn't get much like attention for it so yep. I reckon it made him feel like he wasn't. Even though he was on Motor X and he was like one of those guys, I remember him growing up, he always had like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Like he didn't quite get the respect that he deserved, yep. even though he was sort of winning. Yep. So that's why I kind of put him in that in like, category. same category. And like, man, we had like killers that came from Cairns, but it seemed like no one really ever kind of paid that much attention. And especially that was in like, it's crazy to think about the way that social media changes that like you look at the kids now it doesn't really matter where you are you can have like a you presence noticed, yep. yeah but back then like it was always Ty and Kate and Kacia in the magazines as like yep. the ones that because they were who was accessible yeah I don't think it was like um, a negative thing like people didn't want to give them any shine but it's just like logistics, man. It's fucking so far away <laughs> we just didn't get any. Yeah, to fly kind of from credit.
1: Sydney to Cairns, I guess that's it's like a big three flight. Hours. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But anyway, Todd, he gave me a whooping in juniors because after that, um, 06, it was my first year that I did a sunny. I did Sunny State. Yeah, I, I remember you at Sunny State. Yeah, I did my first Queensland's in 06 it was my last year of juniors
0: was that was one of those rounds in Mareeba that year it was yeah so yep. that's that's the last year I did Queensland's I remember that
1: yep and Todd beat me in everything that really everything I might have beat him in a motor or two if I got lucky or if he went down the first corner but yeah he whooped my ass
0: well especially at Mareeba like he'd done so many laps of that track
1: yep he was, he was good there where oh.
0: was that was it Townsville as well nah
1: it was Mackay the yeah, one the, the yeah. track down on the river Yeah, then Mareeba and then Coulomb.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: Yeah, and they're all back to back, just one week after another. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. and uh, actually, I won the last moto at Coolum. I remember that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Todd Todd kept crashing or something, and that actually cost. I remember it cost him the number one plate because in juniors it goes yeah. off. Yeah. You know, total points go uh,
0: across the whole board as juniors. I think Jats. Jats got the number one. Jats got the number one plate. It might have been
1: on a sixth year or.
0: He would have been on a, either a KDM sixty or a KDM eighty five.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I remember he was way younger than us.
0: Yeah. 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 We we had we so had apart cool from that, Todd had a perfect season through the Queenslands to the last moto. Really? Yeah. Fuck, that's so funny. And there, someone else, I think like Daniel Chester had a number one plate one year. Someone had like from up there, but he wasn't like that good. But I think he just won. He just the got class, lucky yeah. to like win. Yeah. Okay. And he he had a number one plate up there. But yeah, dude, Mariba—that was like one of my favorite tracks. Like when that track was good, that track was sick. Yeah,
1: we went back there in 2010, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, we did the Queenslands. Oh, that was a lot. last year. We did the Queenslands? But again, me and Todd were going at it. Yeah, we we're both on Hondas going at it there. I remember that.
0: Yeah, No, it was it was such a cool scene, and then yeah, Cool Coolum had the um, the nationals for the like the junior Aussies feels like every kind of other year for a little yeah, while. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was like
1: every second year there for yeah. a while. Oh, that's where it was going. <laughs> yeah, so Coolum, it is a special place for us for sure. Sorry, that's my daughter again. She's, she's trying to get in here and be a part of it. She just wants to be a part yeah, of whatever we're doing. Hang. That's all good. So, yeah, nah, Coolum's cool. And um, yeah, we go there every year. For yeah. sure. The, the, the last round and the juniors and um, just, uh, what else do we do there? We're Supercross now.
0: Yeah, that's true. Are you going to that tomorrow? You can nah. Go watch. No, nah, I won't go out there. <laughs> so, are you? You've got to be bummed that you did get hurt. Like, obviously, to this was going to be the last stint with CDR before you go to the states. But you were riding fucking good. Like, and I think last year in Supercross, you kind of because you always had a tag as like, oh, I'm not real good at Supercross. And then probably after the stage, you probably had a little bit more of a mental block with Supercross. But it seems like last year and then this year, obviously we are doing that film and people will see when the video comes out. Like, you're fucking ripping, man.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, my my results in the state, I'll bring it up now because people are kind of like, ah oh, I don't. But if you compare me with like Mosey or Keisha, which, you know, can ride Supercross here, um, I got better results in yeah. the states. Like, I was qualifying quite easy and did all right. But, yeah, I don't know. It must have been from my early years in the Supercross. I so just getting no results so yeah. everyone just put that tag on me i can't ride supercross and then
0: it's funny how that works eh? yeah
1: yeah so because todd kind of had that too yeah we both had it and you know we're, we're not the best supercross riders we just didn't really have anything growing up like mm-hmm. no no junior series it was not you know just that era but um so when i got back um and, and i won the motocross in 16 it was kind of i felt like there was no pressure for me because reardon was a supercross guy and you know, yeah right like you know the table had kind of turned so I went in with no pressure but I thought you know I'll have a go and my bike was good and I was like yeah, went all right first round I surprised myself got second and then ended up winning a round down in uh, Avalon so yeah it's kind of, I'm kind of glad that I <laughs> I have gone good and people have stopped saying that you know because yeah. um even though I'm, I am I'm, I'm definitely my motocross is my forte um can ride a supercross now anyway
0: yeah and then obviously before you crash, you were right there yeah winning so practice or you were doing well on the same second as Brayton in um Jim Boomba and then obviously crashed so yeah I had season. a really
1: good prep actually I, I chose not to go to Nations this year for that reason because yeah that going to be pissed oh me man now. for the last two years um I've tried to do both and I'm riding like six days a week motocross supercross motocross supercross bikes are way different everything it's just a lot of effort and then last year I didn't go that good at Nations I just kinda got a bit lost with my setup. I was in between anyway, long story short, I, I, I thought I'll just do Supercross next year. Um, I was you know, I put in big effort and I'm like, I'll try to win it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just try to win the Supercross and, and and then I've done that, you know what I mean? Um, preparation was good, testing went good. Um and then it was just heat race at Jim Boomba. Something went wrong. I don't know what really happened. Got a bit confused with yellow flag or something. Um so got an injury and it's kind of spelt the end of my supercross so now i'm like well nations is this weekend this weekend yeah in two days and it's kind of i'm kind of bummed i'm not there mm. you know but i had to make a choice and i knew it was the right one to do is just choose one or the other so now that i'm going to the states next year i'll i'll definitely put my hand up for nations again yeah
0: what do you think um how do you think mitch is gonna go were you surprised by how good mitch went at the start of the year or like in the outdoors nah he nah. was the next best i too. wasn't surprised Really? Because a lot of people underestimated that kid, man. Yeah,
1: a lot of people have. And I don't know if it was because he was an MX2 or whatever, but he came riding for me last year at my track and I was surprised how good he was. Yeah. I was like, holy, like this kid's got some skill and he's going fast and not even... It seemed like he didn't try. Yeah. And he even come and done a week with me earlier this year and he was good. So, like, no surprise to me that he went
0: that... You know, he went well this year. Everyone was writing him off. Like, really? big time, yeah. And even at the start... Um, well, it was funny. So, me and dad went up to watch the Toowoomba race that you did at yep, the start, Men Mountain Man, mountain man? Yep. yeah. We went up to watch that, and um, and he surprised the fuck out of me there because even dad was like, Yeah, he's just not fit enough, and this and that, and he wasn't fit enough. But at that mountain man, I think there was one moto where he gave you, like, he's had a pretty good battle,
1: yeah. We there was a funny format, we had like three tens back to back Back to back and in the middle one he he got the whole shot and was give me curry for sure i had to work my
0: ass off to get around him and his bike was like super soft yeah like the setup like i'm not very good with bikes and and that but i'm looking at that thing going like damn those clickers are all the way in and it's still way too soft yeah
1: yeah he knew that as well because he came down the week after that and he's like oh man my fork's too soft yeah right. and I know, I know he went testing and he was pretty happy with his bike this year i'm sure
0: yeah well those yeah. things are just good but i remember you know you come you got like that kind of that you got the right hand berm then you've got that tabletop that you can kind of scrub it's near the end of the lap and then you go sort of down into like i think it's like an s section or whatever yeah but um he just like everyone's scrubbing it and his fork you could see his forks were so soft he couldn't actually even scrub that jump because he would have been if he hit that lip any harder it would have just blown through so like everyone's just like "Yeah, yeah dropping it and then he's just straight airing this thing and I'm like fuck imagine when he gets that bike better and his fitness, because, I mean, you'd know, jumping on a 450 is just a totally different level of fitness than an MX2 bike.
1: Yeah, and it takes some time, you know, you can't expect to...
0: Especially when you're young, eh? Yeah, I know, he's young and
1: working it out, he's still working out, I've seen it, he's been at my place, um, just working out his program, like, I already know what i got to do. Yeah. But um,
0: yeah, there's no guesswork in your mind to what you have no, to do. No, and, and, and that's just 30. being
1: being a fair bit older, and you know having some good guidance from Guy and stuff like that. And I know he trains different now than he did last year when he came down. Yeah. So you know he'll work it out for sure. But um, just trying to work out what works best for him, I think that's what he's doing at the moment. Is he the favourite
0: for next year? You reckon? Uh I think he may a bit young.
1: Don't know. It'll. He's going to be good for sure. He was runner up and he was he was challenging. Um, but between him and I think Gibbsy.
0: So Gibbsy, is Gibbsy on CDR next year?
1: I'm not sure, but I I suspect so. Yeah. Okay. But um, and because that'll be cool for Met, him to You know. Meddy's good. Yeah. He, he kind of sorted his stuff out towards the end of the season, but as long as he doesn't have any of those crazy DNFs that yeah. it, it's something something weird every time. You know what I mean? Because you know you're going to be competing with CDR and you know they're going to have a good rider and they know that their bikes are are rock
0: solid. So there's something that maybe you can talk about it because I think for me, like I don't have a lot to do with Dakar, don't really have a lot to do with the team. Like they're one of the groups that I'm not really close to anyone on that group of people. Right. But i have no problems in saying they're the best team in Australia. Like I don't think anyone could make an argument and if you're on a fucking 450 in Australia you should want to ride for DACA that's what my impression of that team is and you see people that go to DACA and their shit just goes up a level because like you know you get to your house you've got fucking like Fox hooks it up with gear you've got no worries with gear your practice bikes are as good as your race bike like just doesn't seem like it seems like DACA's is the only guy that ticks all the fucking boxes to where you don't have to worry about anything else but riding and i think jdr used to be like that in australia and there were some other teams that were closer to that but i think now the gap between like the best team in a like dacca and the second best team is like it's unfortunately a pretty big gap
1: it probably is i don't know what um what all the other teams do but dacca does everything he, he does le- everything everything like. leaves no stone unturned and you know he's got one thing on his mind, and that's to win. He doesn't give a fuck about nah, anything else. No, nah. there's like that's his number one agenda. You know, with a lot of teams, and I've ridden for different teams around the world. There's always something else, or sponsors, or yeah. they're just doing this for a living. Or not, Craig. He just wants to win. Yeah, and, and I knew that when I when I come back, I'm like, I have to be on that team. I knew that, and he, you know, he's proved me right mm. for sure because nothing else matters. And that's why we get along so good because nothing else matters to me either. Yeah. That's it. We both just want to win and we both, you know, just hit it off with our relationship. And like, you know, just looking from the outside, it is what it is, mate. It, yeah. He does everything. And you've seen it there. You've come to my place. You've seen how good my practice bikes yep. are. It look, It It's, you know, it's identical to my race bike. Yeah. And they just, he just runs a tight ship. Yep. All, you know, all the mechanics, the whole crew, Um, you'll see us like, we're just like glue, right? On race day, all of us, we're working together and just, if there's a problem, we'll work it out. And there's just no outside influences. Yep. And he just runs tight ship. That's just how he wants it to be. And that's how I like it. Yeah. So it's pretty hard to compete with him for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that, like, I think Gibbsy's probably... He's had a few hard years. And I think that him going there could be what he needs to get him back. Because it looks like, to me, mentally, he's not the same in the same place as a guy that's, like, really fucking ready to win you know and yeah like maybe that could be what because i mean he's got i
1: mean if if he goes there he's uh, he's in good hands that's for sure mm. yeah but it, it did look like gibsey he i don't know he crashed a bit this year and maybe not really good guidance i'm not sure um but that that's unusual for kirk yeah like he's super consistent never crashes or anything but yeah. he had a few big ones this year like right in front of me Really? Like, yeah, off the, off the first corner at Raymond Terrace. Do you see that in NRD TV? Mate. I don't watch not TV. He really was like fourth gear <laughs> tapped and he, <laughs> he he hit some breaking bumps with his um, start button still down on, mate. He was like oh. upside down next to me. I was like, holy. At Raymond Terrace? At Raymond Terrace. And then... Um,
0: dude, I got hit by Daryl Hurley at Raymond Terrace. Oh, mate, that would have hurt. Fuck. He's a big dude. Yeah, I don't... I. It was like maybe the first national I ever filmed. And it, I think he was number one. He gave me the number plate it's in the shed I think he was number. he's either one or five but it was like a mutter and he just went went for the whole shot and I was like off the track by like a lot like you know the tree line you got like the track and the tree line and the tree
1: line used to be
0: like right right, close yeah yeah. yeah, it was pretty close but I was like back in the tree line like I'm sweet and he just fucking power slid through that first turn and he was just just trying to save this thing and fucking clean me up dude I did the full front flip landed on my feet just saved, like I had my camera on a tripod. Like literally nothing bad happened out of it. It was like getting hit by a, a bull and I landed like a rodeo clown on my feet. Holy smoke. Is that where the double was out of the first corner? Or I think it used, or did to, it be, used to be different. No, nah, that's I think that's when it was like that double there. Because that the, would have been in the 07.
1: Oh yeah, okay. No. Oh. Yeah, it would have been there. Yeah. But 07 was dry because that was the year that Chad Reed come over. and, oh, and
0: Was it the year after oh, that was the mudder? Nah, 06. Okay. 06 so, yeah. was a
1: mudder. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it was that one. Because I, I went there and raced the junior rookies oh. Um, as a 15-year-old. Against Todd, and I think Quinlan won it. Actually, Harley Quinlan. Yeah, yeah. He won it that day. But yeah, that was a mudder that morning. I remember.
0: Yeah, so yep. it was whatever that one was. I think that was like the first national I ever like filmed. Yep. And just got fucking cleaned out. And then Hurley came up to me after the race and he was like, hey, dude, is, I got you my number plays He's like, I feel real bad. And I was like, no, well, fuck, I was standing there. <laughs> but um, like, yeah, that was. But you yeah, I'm still on the outside of the first corner so close again no nah, well you didn't have a choice there like that, that was, was a it, really yeah. shit first that turn was in the film. Yeah. like you didn't really have anywhere to go because if you moved over to the right oh man all the trees and shit yeah, everything away. used
1: to be horrible out about that first straight into a big double
0: yeah like i remember
1: as a junior coming down there i was like that's a stretch mm. for a junior yeah and we're, we're just, just humming down there and we're like all right i hope no no one jumps across on me or something
0: did they do Well, I haven't, like, I mean, I have not paid attention to the Nationals, like, pretty vocal about how shit I think they are, but Raymond Terrace used to do a good job with the track. Like, they were probably one of the better ones, I reckon, in terms of Yeah, I liked it, it.
1: I liked it, because it was always gnarly. It got rough as fuck. It got rough as, and I was looking forward to it this year, because I I was like, this place is a man's track, And, and it just, it didn't get rough like it used to. Like, I liked the layout, it was sick, it was real fast and flowing, but i don't know why it just didn't they didn't prep it as deep or well they tried like even the track prep guy he come up spoke to me he's like wasn't well, happy with it you know how it was on saturday this year and he anyway um i thought the track was sick it just didn't get as rough as it normally is and maybe because it it's fast and flowing now because back then it used to be a lot of switchbacks yeah and
0: so it get rougher because it get rougher because you're just
1: harder on brakes harder on the gas yeah so that's probably what it was but
0: yeah yeah, it used to be gnarly, that track. Yeah, man. Uh, that year that Chad and Dan had their little uh, melee, that track was sick. Yep. Like, they prepped that to perfection and it got so rough. Yeah, oh, oh,
1: oh 07, did I say?
0: Yeah, it was oh 07. Oh 07, yeah. What What tracks are that... Because I always kind of harp on about... Like, I did the Instagram Ask Me a Question thing the other day and I had like five or six people ask me why no one goes to the Nationals anymore. And, like, it's a hot topic that people ask me about and because I maybe because I've been pretty vocal about how I think they're shit. But I always say, like, why would we pay to watch people do the same jumps that a 60 can do? And they don't really change it. Like, if you go to, say, Raymond Terrace or Coolum, and if you go there and you used to go on there and there's fast dudes at every track, right? There's someone at these main tracks that we go to There's dudes that ride the Nationals at a pretty high level that race there all the time. So it's like you kind of can see racing there at a high level just on club days Mm -hmm. and shit. And then if it's like all you're doing is bringing just a few extra fast guys to the same shit you already see. I know what you mean, but like the
1: Nationals, they need to go to a club that's got some money and all the clubs that have money is, you know, catering for everyone. Mm. They can do the little tabletops and the, and the, and the clubmans that can ride around there and do the same track as the national uh, or or the pro riders. Where in America, it seems like their national tracks are open for that one race yep. in the year sometimes. So they just they got some big jumps, big senders like Unadilla you know, and well, all of them really. Yeah, yeah uh, except Glenn Helen. But Glenn Helen actually put in a big effort and just make the track for the yeah, the national, national. guys. Where,
0: but even on day to day, they got big jumps and shit. You know, like Yeah, but, that that's true. But I think that what's to say, like how much does it really cost to lip up a couple things, bring in some dirt or like you fuck, you don't have it, to look, bring in dirt. It would be it would
1: be better. Um and but, I just But think, there must be a reason the clubs can't do it maybe or don't
0: do it. I don't know, but I think it's a there would be a combination of the like but for a national, like There should be no rules about doubles or jump lengths. Like, what you shouldn't do at Nationals... Like, I don't like the Coulomb first turn. I think we've seen so much carnage there over the years that I don't know how... Well, they've changed it now, haven't they? It just goes into more of a tight U-turn or... Nah, it's back to pretty open. See, I don't like that. Yeah, I think that, especially when you're not able to use your rear brake... I think that it's a bad idea. Like if you've oh, got know, a right, right hand, hand first turn, yep. if you've got a fast sweeping left hand first turn, I'm a little bit more cool with it because you don't want to be coming in. You're on the front brakes. You've mm. got your right foot out, which means you've got no rear brake. And then any bumps you're hitting, it's all front brake. And I don't, I think that's, it's sketchy. It's already sketchy enough with all you dudes going into that turn as it is, let alone super fast and no rear brake. So I think that that straight away should be like uh a semi-red flag first starts, right? But, like, wh- why why can we not get someone to come in? Like, all tracks have to do earthworks. Like, you've got to know people. Yep. But it's like, build some big jumps. Even, like, even not like a 150-foot... Um,
1: Look, I agree. I don't think there is any rules to doubles and stuff in the Nationals. No, because, there couldn't be. Nah, there's not. Like, I know at Horsham, they've got a They put in a big double for the Nationals. And for sure, that'd be too big for the rules for you know standard racing. For, for standard racing. i don't
0: even know why there is rules around that like to me that's retarded because you look and at
1: you know what different governing bodies like new south wales have way stricter rules in queensland for instance yeah really yeah so if you go to a new south wales track the, the jump's going to be smaller and the trees have to be further away and, yeah. and and everything rather than the queensland track so just what you're going to get and and you know what the, the club's i think it's up to the clubs to do i you know i'm not sure but i think so yeah to do the track and for instance at gladstone this year they they prepped it right like they you know it's a pretty small track only small jumps um prepped it really good like got some big ruts but i spoke to the the track maintenance guy and they're like all they have there is just a bobcat so yeah, they can't so hard, yeah. he said oh this is all we got Prep the whole track i was like holy like it's not enough, bro. So what they've got is what they That's it. That's all they've got. Yeah. So it's just little tabletops, kind of a junior track.
0: Yeah. And, um, and, that's, and they couldn't change it. But that's the thing is like, if you're Kevin Williams and your job is to... Like, all right, he's a promoter. So like, there's two hats that you got to wear when you run an event. One is a promoter and one is an event management role. And they're supposed to do both, right? You look at the X Open. They don't, like, Adam Bailey and the AME team, they're not running the event itself in terms of, like, making sure the riders are on the start line, doing transponders. Like, they're not doing any of that shit. What are they doing? They're promoting. And they're creating this video content, and they make, they're bringing in, like, the Ronnie Max and the Ricky Carmichael's. Like, there's, a, there's two hats that have to get worn, and I just don't think that you can just split a person to cover off on all of those things and like you detest it like a kevin williams event is run on time you know what i mean everything that they do the schedule's done like when do you have confusion about where you're supposed to be on a national or or whatever yeah like, it, it's, it's run pretty good i i totally yep. agree with that but then in, but in terms of a promoter hat then what your job is is to like bring bums on seats get people there and then there's a follow-on effect of that there's more people that come, which means more money through the gate. That's more attractive to sponsors. Then the teams can then go and say, "Oh, we're on this TV, and we've get forty thousand people come to each event." Blah blah blah. They can sell more sponsorship. If teams have more sponsorship, they can either put on more riders, they can um, pay their riders more, they can have better equipment. Yeah. Like there's this Man, follow-on effect. I mean,
1: I, we could probably go on go on about this for days, but look. I'm not a promoter. Yeah. You know, I'm just riding a bike, so I just focus on what I'm doing. I mean, on the race day, everything's right. Run, it runs pretty it runs smooth. Perfectly. For sure. I know a lot of people got speculation over how the promotion should be done. Um, and personally, Kevin, Kevin's been pretty good to me. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I like to be good to him as well. But at the end of the day, I don't know how to promote it an event. Mm. So maybe later after my racing career, I might, I might be able to do
0: something, but... Hopefully you win so much that you don't really have to do fuck all. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but it, it is like, it is a hot topic and I, like I would love to I would love to have something that I can like get behind and but that's my bread and butter, man. That's where I came, that's where I come from. That's where you come mm-hmm. from and it's a shame to like just not follow it. Yeah, I mean, everyone around, everyone that rides in Australia should be following it. So 100%. If, you, if you
1: don't follow it, then hey, you find a coffee. <laughs> my da- my daughter jacked is just, up. She's jacked up on coffee. just found a coffee cup. <laughs> okay. but uh, that, there's but no coffee in it. You need to get me coffee. But that's, that's
0: my like thing. You know? Yeah. I wish I could follow it more, but it's just, you know, and you want to, you want to talk about it and you want to be excited about it. And that's, what's cool with the, I think with the Oz X and stuff and like the Supercross series, like kind of feels like we do have something to be sort of excited about again, you know?
1: Yeah. Oz X is huge every year for sure. Um, and and Bailey yeah obviously he's branching out going to New Zealand and I'm sure he's got other stuff in the pipeline so um you know if there's improvements it'd be positive for sure
0: yeah yeah and, and that's it. the end like yeah I don't want to be negative but it's good when you get someone like yourself to come on and can talk about you know the tracks or or different things and you know have like your own sort of ideas to how shit can be better yeah at, at the end of the day like that's what like it's an economy and it's like you know guys like you you want to see like jats might not have a ride next year two-time supercross champion yeah it's crazy might not have a fucking ride bro it seems
1: like sport's not in a good spot at the moment Mm. um a lot of good riders without 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 rides rides. dude and a lot of teams haven't aren't running anymore and it's not what we want to see that's for sure you know we want to see more teams coming in and more rides and and people getting paid
0: and more sponsorship um but and and you look at like Let's talk about like that 07, 08. You Yeah, cool Air, Independently wealthy dude come into the sport. Yep. JDR independently wealthy dude come into the sport. Manufacturers are supporting it. That was like the almost like the golden era of Yeah, it was taken it Aussie was taken motocross. off then for yeah.
1: sure and a lot of teams are getting outsourced like Honda got outsourced to uh to Uribe, Um just come with a whole lot of money to run run something and yeah, it seemed seemed like it was it was taken off but at the moment um even more teams shut down next year it's not really cool but um
0: it's a tough one and then riders like yourself like you're about to i guess like you're not leaving australia though with like a i can't make any money here attitude like i've got to go somewhere else like you could stay here again but in your case you've won three championships in a row so it's like you want to then go and have a crack at that yeah totally stage, different you know? reason yeah,
1: like so. I, I, I come back and had every intention to go back overseas and that's what's happening now so yeah um I've had a good time here and it, it you know good time at CDR good time at Nationals we've done a lot of winning but for me it's just time to go yeah um for instance I know Todd went back overseas probably for different reasons um you know for the same reason that he wants to chase the world level for sure but um like I got, I got everything here. I could just stay yeah, here and exactly. be comfortable, but yeah. I'm not comfortable to do that. I've got to, i got to keep pushing myself. Yeah, and um, going way back on this conversation, you know, I've got an unfinished business at in USA. Yeah, so for sure. That's why I choose, You know, that, I
0: chose USA to go to that high point race. Man, was that was fucking sick. Like you really did Australia proud by going and doing that race, and like even the way you did it too, man. Like the it was so bare bones to, to do what you did. And then the result was just, like, crazy good. Like, I i was, I was like, a um, huge Dean Ferris fan for that day. I was fucking glued to the TV and just so stoked to see what you'd done. And honestly, too, like, Aussie Riders have got a bit of a shit name in the States now. Like, we... There was Chad, and then there was a couple guys that went over. And then it seemed like everyone that went over there either like kind of got carried away, partying and, and come home, or yeah. just went and crashed and no, didn't have it good was, results. It was, a,
1: it was a cool day for sure. Um I I packed up um my gear bags. So I brought two mechanics with me. Um because to, to the states. To the states. My mechanic and the chief mechanic at CDR. Is that Brad? Brad? Yeah. Yeah. So Brad and Aiden um they flew with gear bags with all my parts for my bike um i met them there in la we flew over to washington dc and then drove to the race and we just built the bike just on a wednesday afternoon outside some diner you know the the, the cycle trader brought me brought us a brand new standard yz 450 we built it did press day on thursday um
0: oh that's met, pretty cool that they let you ride press day yeah
1: yeah they knew i was coming so they let me ride which is cool just to run the bike in um and then yeah boom just went and raced on Saturday, but and killed man, it. I was—I must say—before we go on with the story, I was so jet lagged. Man, I was up at two in the morning. And that was oh. it. I was like, I—I slept like four hours every night. I was cooked, man. And then uh, practice went good. It rained and it was pretty ruddy. I was like third in both practices. Actually, no one knows this, but second practice, so it went on overall times there. That's how it worked. I went pole. Really? <laughs> I did like I did my fast lap, got pole. And pulled in, and said, "My, my, you know, to Aiden, let's go back." So it looked like I just looked like a boss. I went pole, pulled in, (laughs) went back to the pits, and and in that time, while others were still doing laps, um, I got knocked down to third. I think it was like Tomac and I don't know Anderson or someone. They they went faster than me. They're pretty quick. Yeah, but they (laughs) they would have all been thinking, "This guy's like overconfident, man. He's just riding back to the pits already." But it wasn't. I mean, I was. It was already that hot in the morning, and I was tired. I'm like, I need it. I know I'm going to be tired, so I need to save energy because. It's a hot day and yeah. I'm not acclimated. Like I'm from Australia and it's winter. Like, winter. Right moment, yeah. And over there, it's like middle of summer, humid as hell. So like, we went back, get organized. I got hydrated because, um, yeah, I just needed the energy. But anyway, mm. Moto 1 went good, got a good start, ended up in the lead, as you all know. Um, come home in second, man, I was cooked at the end of the first moto. It was so hot. Mm. I was like, holy moly, I'm delirious. Really? It was Yeah, that just, bad. just the last two laps, I was like, oh, man, I'm just so hot heart rate super high i know jet lag plays a part as well yeah um but yeah i was super stoked and then in moto two i'd you know went down second corner and i think uh went down again trying to puff sipes on the way back through kind of
0: dude it's underrated how good he is he's he. pretty
1: good yep so i got up and i was going fast but then that happened that was only like 10 minutes in i was smoked just I, hit the wall i was like i'm so tired and i i knew it was a big risk for craig to let me go there to the states so i was like i'm just just riding at home i'm yeah, yeah but okay. the heart rate wouldn't even come down for the rest of the motor i was just so cooked really so yeah so even
0: as you backed it down yeah it just man i there.
1: was just i was just done mate it was just like i was a zombie mode after that I was like, i'm just so tired yeah but anyway i got I got that result in moto one and that's kind of what mattered i was like i was stoked with that and i knew i could ride at that level yeah for sure um a little bit of acclimation and no jet lag and and a couple little things, you know, living over there and trained over there. I, I could probably ride, you know, I could ride at that level, yeah, yeah, the whole year. So, um, since then, definitely had my my eyes on the states. That was my little shoe in. Yeah. Um, I thought I might have pulled a ride for seventeen, but oh well, no, no, for eighteen. Who were you talking year. to? Um, I didn't. I wasn't talking to any factory teams when I was there. Um, just. I don't know if it was too late or everyone kinda had two year deals. There's kind of nothing about Yeah,
0: you can kinda get those awkward years <clears throat> where like everyone's that, sewn up. That was one of those years. Yeah, so this year is one of those years where everything's gonna be new.
1: Yep. Yep. So I did I didn't get the deal I wanted. I signed with Craig Tracy for another year. So that that's how it went.
0: Yeah. Are you um are you gonna try so you're going to the States next year to do outdoors only, right? Yep. So when are you gonna leave? Um
1: here. look, probably Still, still trying to get a deal. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be in January because whoever I ride for is going to want me there testing and riding, and it's pretty hard to just send equipment to Australia and yeah. say here you go. So I'll get organised, make sure I'm over there early in the if Sure.
0: Mm. Are you? So you're talking to teams now, like because I when we were doing the filming, I didn't know if you were just going to go regardless and just hope to. Nah,
1: look, I got an agent on the ground over there. Um, who is your agent over there? a guy called uh lucas myrtle i was gonna say yeah, he's, he's a an older guy yeah yeah. yeah yeah so um myrtle he's <laughs> a funny motherfucker i haven't actually met him in person yet oh, spoke really? to him on the phone a few dude, times yeah he's
0: a fucking good guy yeah he is a fucking cool guy yeah yeah i've heard that he
1: takes care of the lawrence boys and a few others anyway yeah. so no
0: nah, he's a he's a
1: super good dude yeah
0: yeah so um i'm sure he got something something going yeah cool no nah, i'm excited for you man and even like if you I could see if you just went there and just went riding at the outdoor tracks, someone's getting hurt in Supercross, someone's going to miss some rounds, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, as bad as it is, it seems every year, like, I mean, dude, it's there, inevitable. There's, there's teams
1: that need riders because Supercross is 18 rounds or 17 rounds just
0: eats a lot of guys up, for sure. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. I wish that, speaking of like series and changes, man, like if they shortened it up a little bit, you just wouldn't see dudes retire. Cause like look at Villo now. Like I was talking to one of my mates in the states the other day, and they're like, "Dude, Villo is ripping, and he's having a lot of fun. Like he'll probably race Monster Cup."
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen some videos. He's going good, but yeah, he was burnt out. Now a lot Dude, of them that's exactly right. Done same it's thing. Just too much, man. Just eat some up. It is so much. Seventeen rounds of that, and then you know, twelve rounds of nationals, and then then now Monster Nations, Cup, and Monster Cup. Holy hell! What a program they they do. Like hats off to him.
0: But it's too much. Like it's costing people. Like because I get it from Feld's point of view of like they want to sell tickets they want to make money on stadiums if they if they can sell out 18 stadiums or do well at 18 stadiums then that's what you should do but it's like fuck do you want to lose the Potos and the Dungies and the Stuarts and the like do you want to lose those guys early like would you rather do like 15 races or 14 races and get like an extra couple years out of dudes that are the stars of the, the show because like as good as Ando is, and, like, I fucking love that dude, and he's, like, a good friend of mine, but he's not carrying the sport in the way that James and Ricky and you Yeah, the you know massive what I mean? names. You need dudes to, like, carry the sport. And, like, who else is going to be doing good in the Supercross this year? Like, Osborne's going to be in there. Mm. Um, Hill's going to be on a 450. Yeah, you might have the, a point, but, yeah, like, man. None of those dudes are going to carry talks, the sport. Eh? <laughs> I know, but it's, it's just – it seems short-sighted. And it's like I wish people would again. It's just being a fan and like knowing on the inside how over it these dudes are. It's just a shame. Like even Kevin Wyndham, Wind- you know, like you go to like a fourteen round season and he does Supercross only, and it's like a few more weekends spaced out. So like guys are getting weekends off. Like yeah, the
1: guys over there that are riding till they're older, yeah, they end up doing a Supercross only deal for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and and look, I. I wouldn't I wouldn't be that pumped on doing 17 rounds of supercross and then the nationals either one for trying to get through that many supercrosses without Not getting hurt, hurt. that you know that, that that's you'd be doing good and then I'd be you'd be just like oh man i'm so I'm so toast yeah and I want to, I want to focus on outdoors so that's the reason I'm just doing outdoors and hopefully I can do some preseason races you know before it to get me ready um get me up to speed like those guys all racing in supercross so mm. that's my plan season what
0: preseason races could you do over there mm, the, the i don't Glen think there's a, nah.
1: Like, I, I, I don't know if there's much there it's kind of amateur level um i know a grand prix goes south america i don't know you might have to chase some around the world probably yeah so you should do try and do something like that yeah maybe well i'll, I'll look into my options when i get a deal get a deal done um yeah. i was i was even thinking if i could pull off a deal with yamaha that i might stay here yeah. and just do the sunny states and do a couple of nationals here then go
0: yeah
1: um you know and then i've got more time at home preparing on a bike or no, but anyway there's just all these things you think of yeah. it, but we'll see what happens and when the
0: phone rings you just gotta yep. be ready yeah gotta, yep. be, gotta ready be ready yeah it's gonna be sick like i'm excited for you to be over there i feel like you're our, f- our first legit threat of race wins outdoors in a, in the u.s in a really long time oh and i think some Aussies they want someone to follow like oh, 100%. I, honestly
1: since i did that race every second fan that come and got a poster from me at the nationals at the supercross they've all said dude unreal ride i got up at 3 a.m and watched you yeah man there's literally been hundreds of aussies say that so i mean if i was there racing a series I,
0: i'd like i'd like to think they're all getting up at 3 a.m to watch that'd be dude, pretty cool I'll, I'll be doing that shit for sure and and that's like That's part of, I guess, my big point when it comes to, like, the Nationals. And I wish that's... I wish people would... Not, like, just listen to me, but, like, listen to everyone. Because it's not... The way that it is done now... And this is all Australian racing. Like, this isn't just a knock on the Nationals or anything like that. But, like, you go to the tracks over there... And there's, like... They're prepping dudes to be good for that level of racing. Like, you can't replicate that level of racing here just in, like, tracks the roughness like the way that they let it get beat up and it's like i think that's the big thing that hurts guys going over is that they're not we're just not ready for that level that intensity the the track style like there's so much to intimidate you and take your head out of your performance if that makes sense yeah i
1: kind of agree um maybe the tracks are a bit smaller you get there they're massive and then things like that um for that reason actually i i built my practice motocross track big yeah i got big jumps it's really flowing big turns fast just so when i get overseas that i'm, yep. I'm ready for it
0: but that's like it's a shame that it's just your practice track that is like that yeah because like, the, the thing i guess my my big point right is that when we what Puts bums on seats, and what sells motorcycles in Australia is Australians doing well in the U.S. Like that's what everyone wants to watch. That like we need representatives of motocross in the U.S. and in Europe that are doing really big yeah, things. Yeah, we are heavily because, influenced by by U.S. Well, look at what happened when like like Chad Reed was the f- like the millions and millions of dollars that Chad Reed would have generated in the Australian motorcycling economy. Yeah. Like you were a product of Chad Reed. I was a product of Chad Reed. Everyone on the start line at the nationals right now lived through the Chad Reed era, right? Everyone, wa- I wanted to be fucking Chad Reed. You wanted to be Chad Reed. Think about the gear that dude sold, the bikes that dude sold, the fucking kids that watch Chad Reed on on ESPN doing supercross racing ricky carmichael and said to their dad i want to go racing like how many kids right now on the national start line do you think would have had that influence
1: yeah it's true there was a big influence from chad um more so than anyone that went to europe i think Every, everyone just follows usa
0: dude you 100%. know 100 and
1: i'm not that i'm like oh, i shouldn't say i'm not that into supercross but i am but man who doesn't watch ama supercross on a sunday morning yeah. That's right. Everybody. We, we talk about it all week. We're like, dude, Supercross song. We'll go, let's go watch. Everyone's watching it. Yeah. And, you know, ever well, not everyone, but most punters are drinking a beer. They just love it. sitting in their TV, yep. sit in their couch, drink a beer, watch Supercross. Yeah.
0: We love the drama of it. We love yep. the personalities. And I just think that the, the problem with, uh, like, that needs to, for the motorcycling economy in Australia to stay healthy, I think that there has to be, like, A legitimate investment from people in within the community in australia to like grooming people like dude the next guy that's going to be the next chad reed for the kids on 50s would be hunter lawrence multi-year guico deal imagine if you're winning motos in the u.s next year and hunter lawrence is winning lights motors in the u.s next year yeah like mind (laughs) fucking blown man like kids all over the country are going to be glued to that and that's what then you get that same it's that same chad reed effect but instead of chad reed it's dean ferris and it's hunter lawrence like man i've been watching like i've been watching the emx series this year because of jet yeah like i crushing love that into, uh, shit uh, crushing it fucking love that shit man yeah. like that fires me up so much so it's like that to me it's like we we have to think about that as like a uh like an investment Like we need to groom these guys. We have to get people to America because American TV is what is going to sell motorcycles and it's going to sell gears and it gears. We shouldn't take
1: any. We shouldn't take anything away from those boys though. Like they got there themselves. Their family.
0: Oh, dude, what a risk the Lawrence's
1: took, bro. Holy, what a risk. Yep, but they're grooming themselves. So, but doing Aussies proud, man. And let's just talk about Jet for a minute. He's fifteen. The kid's a freak. Man, didn't I just say I did my first junior nationals and Queensland title at 15? Holy. That's what, that's what it He's over man. there winning EMX against men, like, with beards bigger than yours. <laughs> shout and, out to the beards bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, good on him, man. And, uh,
0: and, like, dude, I've not been more, like, I think Shift did that clip with uh, Hunter at the start of the year. Did you see that video? That I, think, I, I think I did. Fuck, that surprised me because you don't look at much. Nah. <laughs> but dude, I was like fired up when I saw that clip. I was like, fuck yes, bring this season on. I haven't really cared about it that much since you and Todd were there. So it's like, that's my whole big point is like we need to bottle that energy like the energy that we get from seeing like you like you just did one race and got one third place and like you said second second. (laughs) hundreds of people came up to you at the national like so here hundreds of people come up of all the achievements that you've got in your career like that was the thing that everyone was frothing on yeah and it's like to me that's why i think we have to get super serious about you know, really making a push. And like you said, man, that's a really good point. Like the Lawrences, they packed up and they went there and they took a huge risk and it's paid off, but they invested in themselves. And they obviously knew that if they wanted to make it happen, they couldn't just stay in the system here.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, they seen that early. So good on them. But um, actually I was, I was speaking to someone at MA um, a few months ago about about this very topic and and how we're going to make the juniors better because it's, got, it's way different to when me and Todd were doing it as yep. juniors to now I feel like everyone's got a base station and got all the gear, got all the gear but no idea, yep. kind of saying. Yeah, And I'd, I'd like to make it a, some people aware that... Dude, you didn't that, have that. You don't need that, man. You know, you just get good equipment and try hard. Yep. Like, there's a bit more to it, obviously, but you don't need the big shiny ball for everything. It's not going to make you go faster. Like, go on there in a base station. Like, fair enough if you've got a family, you've got the money, but,
0: mate, it's not going to make you. Yeah. For sure. Like... Well, the thing is, you, the base station's not on the track. The dad's not on the track. All the good shit is yep. on the track. The fancy train you know, is and not and on the track. You know, and it's good to
1: have all that, but you just don't want the kid to be, you know, and perceive it wrong. Like, they've got all the gear, so they should go good and i think that's what happens you know i don't know if it's the error or whatever but it, it just seems like those you know the kids have got everything don't really have the heart yeah and i i, I you know i feel like they've got an advantage and if they're aware of that we could, we could definitely help them and groom them and hopefully that's something i can do like in my older years that's yeah. what i want to do like help some kids make it somehow
0: well you're the guy that like we had this talk at Kyogle because I've been training like super hard and I was like man I'm fucked all the time yeah like I'm just not really there on other shit in my life welcome to the club yeah (laughs) and and Thailand was the big eye-opener for me I went there and it was four hours a day two-hour session in the morning two-hour session afternoon and basically I was sleeping right up until I had to get breakfast then I was getting breakfast and I was doing my first session I was drinking, like, four liters of water and electrolytes in a two-hour session because of how hot it was. Yep. getting cr- I was getting cramps in my whole body if I didn't drink enough electrolytes. Then we'd walk back, have lunch, have a sleep and a swim, and then walk back to the gym again to train. Walk back, dinner, bed, cycle repeats. And I was fucked. Dude, like, that's what I've done for the last 11 years. Dude, and you're the guy, go- like... It gave me a new respect because when you were when we were there, you were just like I was like, oh, do you do this? And you're like, dude, I'm too tired. And then you're like, I was like, do you do this, man. I'm too tired. Like I don't do anything because of how hard you work. And I mean, even living with Jats, I'm like, dude, you've got a lot more room in your gas tank. Like you're not you're not on that Dean Ferris. Uh, you're not on that Dean Ferris program because you're so tired from training you literally don't want to cook you don't want to do anything you're fucking checked out
1: yeah man at the end of the day i'm fried just all the time and it's you know i wake up brand new but man i put everything i've got into my training sessions and luckily i've got a good girlfriend that does does a lot of stuff for me but this is what i want the kids to know you know like how hard you can go and actually on that subject i you know i've always trained hard um didn't always know much at all um gained a bit more knowledge as i was going but it wasn't until i actually met guy andrews that i realized how hard you can train yeah you know because you're tired and you're fried and you've got nothing left but he'll make you keep going you know and that's how we made it to a new level actually talking about that i've spent you know i've lived with guy a couple of times just doing some you know some you know some training camps or whatever like when i come back from europe i it's kind of like a homeless bum. just had a backpack? <laughs> Before I set up here in Australia, but went and lived with him, sometimes like six weeks at a time, a couple of months, and holy, man, that was that was something else. And at the time, he didn't have really any commitments, but we'd get up, 4.30, coffee, cycle, no,
0: no eating. would be out cycling. Like, this is every day. And how far would you go? Like, let's break down the legit days of a Dean Ferris training camp. Well, let, let, let's talk about a guy Andrew's training camp because, yeah.
1: dude, we would get up, have coffee, go cycling, minimum like ninety minutes, but often over two hours. Up spring brook, whatever. Breakfast. I'd come home and just be in bed, and then we'd get up, gym. So you'd have a or sleep. go running. You'd have a sleep dude, after breakfast. Yeah, just that fried sometimes with some some things would do, and just a couple sessions, two or three a day, stretching, strength running, cycling, swimming. Oh, I actually didn't do that much swimming, but a little bit, um, mate. And I remember just for the first, like, month of, of, of living with Guy, I would just have to sleep through the day. Really? Yeah. I'd just walk in and just pass out my bed. Like, see you later, dude. I'll I'll be back out. <laughs> pass out. Get up.
0: Do it again. And then the next day, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Just nonstop. Yeah. And then how, so when you're training for the nationals, like what's a day look like for you for motocross?
1: Um, Most of the time do a couple of motos, but I would get get up, you know, if I was riding that day, coffee, breakfast, and then I would always have my bike ready from the day before. And then I'd head straight out the track, a couple of motos, but like to the stopper, mm. I, I would, that's so I, I'd do you, a thirty-minute warm-up, right? Yeah, and I'd kind of treat it like a national. So I'd do sprint laps and, and and like it was qualifying at nationals. Yeah, okay. And I'd keep the workload pretty high. I'd go back, just an apple or something. Back out, do another moto, thirty-five minutes. Go back. Little, and you're like little lap, lap
0: times deep. at every lap, right? Yeah.
1: So Renee's been there with me for the last few years, just on the pit board every single lap, and that's all I do is just chase, chase my lap times, and. Most of the time, so I've been in a pretty good flow last year's, I would do a whole motor within a second, the whole 35 minutes, and I wouldn't
0: vary one whole second. And and even with the track getting rougher and... Yeah. So you just watched it and whatever yep. the fuck happened, you were getting that Yeah, laptop. and my track doesn't change that much. It, You
1: know, it's like if it was wet or something, yeah, but man, it's rough and I just leave it rough. Mm. That's just how it is. Like like we said, I want it to be like an AMA yeah. kind of track. Um. And then gear up, do it again, and then home, and pretty much just pass out. Yeah. So you're like, the, eff- every the effort I've put in for two motos is just everything I've got for that morning. Yeah. And then, you know, a little bit of training in the afternoon, you know, a little bit lighter if I've done two big motos. Yeah. Work on the bike, everything else you need to do around the home. And then next day is like either mot- well, motos again, or more often than not, the next the next day I back up some cycling and gym. Yeah. And get up on a cycling day, I'd get up and cycle before breakfast.
0: Fuck. Just sending it. Yep. Yeah. Just and, sending it. And and that's like it it shows though, right? Because like it's would you say that you're like a dude that's supernaturally talented? Um Cause I remember, like, especially like you said, the first national you did, you got 16th as a for a junior Aussie.
1: Yeah, like I was alright. I just feel like I couldn't tap into my talent until I got a little bit of coaching or a bit of help um, when I turned 16, and then it kind of all just come out at once. Yeah. So yeah, I think I've got some talent. Um, but at the same time, but I've you're not like, the, no. But I work. I work for everything I've got. Like, if mm. you ask me how I do something, I'll tell you. It's yeah. like it's not like I've got no idea. Yeah. Um everything I do is for a reason like if you ask me about one little position of my body on the bike I'll, I'll know why I'm
0: doing it yeah but you look at like let's look at a dude like Dylan Long like that's talent yeah. in terms of what he can do on a motorcycle the shit that he can go uh, the shit that he can do the speed that he can go at times like you know everyone follows that dude's Instagram because it's just a fucking send fest like shit that not many people on the national circuit can do and you know like you're not in that same category of what you'd say would be like raw talent so but it's like but you're the dude that's winning these motos by like you know over 30 seconds so it has to be the fact that you can go that speed like you said that same second like i don't know how many guys are able to do yeah
1: like, what the, the talent will get you as far as Dylan along i'm sure um but dude you gotta
0: work hard if you want to win some motos for sure um, and then to win them every single weekend yeah it just yep. takes a whole different level of and, and like what what about even just like focus because it's like the focus to not get distracted for that whole season not let the pressure get to you not let the competition get to you like there's just so much more that goes into it than just being good on a bike
1: yeah it, this question comes up a bit like what motivates me and I don't actually know no idea. I've always wanted to do good and I've always had this level of commitment even since I was 16 because, mm. I mean, literally one day I just, I got asked a question, how bad do you want it? Like, do you really want to do this? This is when I was fluffing around when I was um, just in my last last few <clears throat> races of juniors and um, I was kind of scared of the question at the time. Like, you know, didn't think, didn't really know if I could make it. Anyway, I stewed on it one night and I was laying there going, man, how bad do I want this? Do I want it? Do I want to do this? Like lost sleep over it. Got really? up. Yep. Got up in the morning and went, this is what I'm going to do. And okay. I, I told everyone, this is what I'm going to do. Told my family, this is the plan. I'm going to make racing my job and I'm going to do everything I can. So since that day I was 16, I've done everything I possibly could to be the best I could be.
0: That's a crazy level of commitment and at a like super young age. Yeah. So
1: from that morning, I got out a notepad, wrote down some goals, made a little plan and like I didn't know how to get fit, but I knew if I went jogging, I was going to get fitter. So I just did everything, everything possible. And then I've, you know, just getting guidance along the way has helped me. That, that's what's got me a bit of coaching, some mentorship, um, you know, Met another, you know, got to another level when I met Guy, you know, with my fitness. And you just meet people along the way, like... um, Like adds to your toolbox kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. You know, you just need to add some tools. So, um, what keeps me focused? I don't know. It's just what I want to do. Like, I want to win on the weekend, you know. And actually, there's no other option to, you know, in my eyes. So, I just do all the work I got to do. That's it.
0: When you i don't i don't fully know the story but you lost your dad when you were young eh? yeah when i was 11 so how like what was the deal there because i sort of i in my mind knowing the limited bit of the story that i do know that's gotta have a massive impact on your level of maturity because like to be 16 and make that call and then i'm sure going through that whole process made you grow up super quick like what what was the story there
1: yeah, we, I actually started racing in 2001 um, and my dad was still around. We did that first season together at the end of the year, he had an accident. Um, and then from there on, that's probably why I didn't do much racing as a junior. Like there was a lot of tough years there where it was just, you know, I've got two other siblings and it's just my mum. So we, we had, a, had the
0: farm, right? We had the
1: farm, we had a sawmill, we had a lot going on. We had to downscale to a smaller farm just so we could manage. Um, I was pretty capable as a young fella so I had a lot of responsibility had to really um, help mum on the farm so when we did downscale um, it freed up our time a little bit more mum's like we'll be able to do more um, of what you guys want because my, my sister's into horses me and Leon are into bikes so we did that and um, it took us just a little while to get the ball rolling you know. and, and mum had to do everything like take, take my sister to pony club and me and Leon racing so there was a lot of moving parts for sure. And um, that, that's why it took a while to get going in juniors. That's why I just wasn't on the scene until, like, I was 16. So, in a way, yeah, probably probably made me mature, you know, grow up a bit more. Like, for instance, I was making sales for my own bikes and changing tires and doing all my bike maintenance when I was 12. Like, the whole lot. <laughs> that was it. Even, even, like, helping out my brother because, you know, when he left school and got a job the deal was we both have to be good and the, both have to be organised if we're going to go to the races. So on a Thursday night, I was prepping my bike, prepping his bike, pack, packing the trailer because he was off at work and TAFE. Mm. So then Friday night, like when I got off the school bus, he finished work, we'd be on the road to go to the Sunny States. So like, so I, you
0: really had to want it. There was no one that was... No, nah, I'd, I'd I've never it.
1: been pushed a day in my life. Not once. No, my, like Honestly, mum was like, she probably she, would have rather you not know there for a while. probably didn't want me there because it was a dangerous sport, but she knew at the same time it'll keep me off the street um, and it's what I wanted to do. That's all I ever wanted to do. So when I was like 13, 14, 15, I was serious about it and I wanted to go racing. That's all I wanted to do. Like I did, I wasn't even hanging out at the races um, with anyone. I was just, oh, you know, a couple of mates from McLean or whatever, but wasn't there to socialise or party or nothing. Like I was so serious about racing. Yeah. Um, and always went alright but i just was not a national scale you know like mag like for instance i wasn't accessible but yeah. i wasn't that great um so i always took it serious and then when i was kind of fluffing around with the idea like of making it as a pro and but because of my situation i was like oh, i don't you know it'd be hard like those guys have got this and you kind of like doubt yourself and then then when i got asked that question i just what yeah like i said i woke up and that was it from that day, I
0: just, I just put everything, everything on the table. Yeah, that's, when I'm going for it. That's so cool. And, and I remember, like, because I remember, like, the kids used to like to laugh at you a lot of times because you were so different to them. Like, you weren't trying to be cool. You weren't going to skate park. You weren't fucking around with girls. You weren't, you know, busting out of places at night to go carry on. And everyone looked at you like this real square kind of kid I remember Todd saying to me um, because you know we're all just kind of young and people be you'd be just hanging shit on people and I remember Todd saying to me like man like I'll never give Dean shit in my life because I know like what he went through to like run the farm and stuff like that and it always stuck with me I was like fuck like I just always thought you were like this real square kid that just Mm -hmm. you just didn't have any like you were just a boring person but then when Todd Said that it put it into perspective like, fuck, man, like you, you, you want to be there, like, yeah, no, like there's no at the this races when the kids scene.
1: when they were hanging out. I was working on my bike and prepping the bike while others' dads were kind of doing it, or mm. and I just, I don't know, I wasn't in the scene, I never was. I was from Kyogre, I had a couple mates from you know, like I said, McLean Club North Coast that I knew, um, and we used to camp together, but that, that was it, like, I was just. I, you know i didn't want to be chasing chasing girls around and this and that because then mum would be like oh you're not taking it serious you know why do i take you yeah so it was always it, it was really serious for me and that carried on all the way through well probably through my career but i took it even more serious when you know i was 16 17 18 um because i was trying to make it but i didn't really you know i hadn't established myself yeah and I didn't really care what anyone thought at the time because I remember in my first year of racing, right, I had like this mismatched gear, like I had a cotton jersey still. <laughs> Rocked up in my first Southeast Queensland um, race and I didn't have the backgrounds. I didn't have yellow backgrounds on my 80 uh, with the number because yeah, yeah. we didn't know. I just had like those bought yeah, little number. MCS numbers yeah, or whatever. Yeah, MCS numbers on my bike and no background and then just this old gear with holes in it. And I remember I remember being at Warwick Sunny State right O one. I was on an eighty. I was ten, and all these kids next to me with like all the gear. Right, I just look at me going, go, look at this dickhead. Look at this knob. <laughs> right, and I was in C grade, and man, that day I just won by so far. Yeah. And after that, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter because I was so intimidated by all these kids with all this you know yeah. fancy numbers and pipes and gold wheels, and I was looking looking beside me going, I don't belong here. But where else do i go? I'm in C grade. Yeah. So I, I did did a couple races in C grade that year, and then Dad's like, let's let's go, let's just go straight day. Yeah. So from that day, I d- I didn't care about how I looked because yeah. that's what I had, and I was pumped that I was going racing. That's fucking cool. You know, we we had no, you know, none of the fancy shit, but man, I was racing. That was it. That was cool. And, and actually, that eighty, that very wise at eighty that I'm talking about, I found that two years ago. Because, you know, like I said, I made the sale of that bike Mm. a couple of years after my dad had passed away. And I remember who I sold it to. And then through Facebook, I found it. And it was only like 50K down the road. Really? Yeah, to collect collect and dust in a barn. And when he said, yeah, I've got a wires at 80 down the barn, I went with a pocket full of cash and bought it on the spot. That's sick. Yeah. And I've restored it. It's at home now. Like restored. Really? Yeah, brand new. Like better than it ever was. That's fucking cool, man. Yeah, so that, that bike's really special for me. It was my first race bike.
0: Was your dad super into racing? Like, was um, he into it when, when
1: you guys yeah, were Yeah, he, he was into it, but he wasn't your typical mini bike dad. Like, that was our first year of racing. He didn't know anything, right? Yeah, So, right. we'd make friends and he'd ask, like, oh, what, what do we do? So, he'd get me some race fuel and then someone else would say, oh, you need to hot up the engine, like, get a port and He'd go and do that. And then mm. like someone's like, all right, you need to get some new tires. He'd get me new tires. Like, he didn't know. We were just all learning as we're going. Yeah. So, yeah, he was into it for sure, like loved it. Um, he probably wished he could have raced when he was younger. Yeah. He did a bit of trials and went down think, but um, just a bit of, you know, cruising around on the bike with, with some mates as far as he went. But, yeah, he was right into it.
0: Do you think about him a lot these days, like when you're winning these championships and up on the – up on the podium with, like, your daughter on the seat, like, does he cross your mind a lot?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, especially at the end of the season, if you, you know, when I've won the championship, like, I know he'd, well, he'd like to be there, for sure, but I know he is anyway, so, yeah. I, you know, it's always, I'm always thinking about him, and our family's really cool. We talk about him all the time, so it's it's nice.
0: You've never made a very big deal out of it, though. Nah. No, Like, you know, like, some people would, it like adds to their story and they want to tell that story, but that's like, this just not your deal. Eh? Like you're so, you don't really even feel like the need to publicize anything. I feel like. No, you know, like I, I don't want it to be a sob story. Like it, it, it is
1: sad and everything, but we, um, you know, you just got to get on with life. Yeah. Don't you? So that's what we did.
0: Yeah. And it, yeah, just, I, I really remember when Todd said that, that like, you know, because when all the kids do have the flash shit and, you know, here comes Ferris and you're not going out and you're not doing that stuff. And, yeah, I remember him saying, like, yeah, I'd never, ever give him shit. Like, he did so much just to race. And I was like, fuck, that's pretty cool. And and it, I don't think a lot of people knew what you had to go through to do that. Like, you were even, you were even like, running the farm pretty much, hey, and the sawmill and, like, because I remember Todd was saying that you were, like, sacking, like, adults and shit if they weren't <laughs> working and stuff. Yeah, I told Daka that story, actually. He thought it was really cool. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, I wasn't running it, obviously. I was only 10 and 11. But you owned it, right? Yeah, we owned a sawmill. We had like 10 employees. Um, I had, you know, a lot to do with it. Not not logistics and stuff. I was probably too young for that. But I was I was up there every day working. And, what work know, would you do there? Oh, you know, stacking or driving, driving the loaders, <laughs> um, bringing in logs, taking out timber, you know, loading the trucks, driving the trucks down the road, you wouldn't believe it, man, but, yeah, we used to get up to all sorts of shit up there on the farm. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and, um, mate, driving dozers, driving tractors, because we had pretty big farm as well, 1,600 acres. Yeah. And we were growing crops. Um, Dad would leave me up there just working all day long, ploughing paddocks, and I'd ride home in the dark, like a couple of K home, and meet up at the dinner table. He'd be like, oh, how'd it go today? And I was, like, nine years old. Fuck, that's dri- Driving a 140-horsepower tractor. <laughs> mate, it's like I grew up in the 50s when, like, Responsibility was just (laughs) you're just given so much responsibility. That's how it was. I was driving, like you know, like I said, trucks and dozers, and all our equipment had no brakes. And we lived in hills and we just got by. But there's some pretty big consequences. Like, if you fucked up on the farm, like you're in big, big trouble. In what way? Like, because you're given so much responsibility Uh. when you mess up, like you know your dad or your mum's gonna rev the shit out of you because they know how dangerous or how bad the situation could have been yeah so they want you to learn really fast so i had to to learn super fast you know like in the mill there's spinning saws and just logs and stuff going everywhere and since you know i could walk i've been up there in that situation so definitely had a different childhood to well probably any other motocrosser yeah growing up in farms sawmills trucks and stuff um but yeah
0: but it's gotta be a big part of why you're Dean Ferris now. Yeah, um I'm sure it has. Um Cause it's just a work ethic, man. And like, yeah, just even being up there, like seeing how hard you worked on the yeah the, the video shoot.
1: And I had um I had a lot of chores, you know, like when I was eight years old, probably around seven or eight. It's like, all right, you wanna ride bikes, you gotta clean the mill. That's your job. It's like, all right, well. That was a lot of work. That was a lot of heavy, heavy work cleaning the mills, like just shit everywhere, bark all the time. I had to drive the loader in, clean it up. Um, my cousins would come riding every weekend. The mill had to be clean first. Yeah, right. So, like, Saturday morning, 4 a.m., I'd ride my bike up the road in the dark, turn the lights on in the mill, clean the mill so I could go riding when the boys woke up when they were camping.
0: So, you'd already done all the work just so that you guys could ride?
1: Yep, yep. Unless I'd persuaded dad that I'll do a little bit in the afternoon as well. But, that was how, how it was, man. I would be up there in the dark. Sometimes I'd have a mate with me, like, from school, and I'd drag him up there and he'd be like, this is fucking crazy. Like, I don't have any chores. Yeah. I'm like, man, on the farm you do, so we've we just got to do it because otherwise we don't get to go riding today. Like, that was how keen I was to ride. Like, I just had to get the chores done. And, you know, there was heaps of other responsibilities as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was your dad one of those, like, real old school hard dudes? <laughs> yep. I can imagine, like, this the full fucking... The full OG, yep. hard as fuck, farm boy, yep. farm strong, probably lift 300 kilos of anything. Yep. Yeah, that was him.
1: So um, it was good though. Like a lot of responsibility. Um, but it, 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 it was cool. I, like at the time I thought, oh, this isn't fair. All well, my friends don't have to do anything. But mm. um, it's funny though. I, I also had more than my friends did. Like I'd get a bike. So I could kind of see like, oh, this is cool. Like I get to ride and... Um, we, we had the farm. I, you had tracks. I had tracks. Um, So I didn't take it for granted. I kind of knew from an early age, like, I've got this pretty good, like, because all my best mates want bikes, but they can't have them. So, or they can't afford them or, or whatever it was. And like, we didn't have much money and I had shit bikes, but at least I could go riding. And the cool thing was actually we had unlimited supply of petrol. We had a petrol shed. So uh-huh. we had like, I don't know, thousand liter tank for petrol, just for chainsaws and stuff like that. So every day I just top up the eighty, mix up the oil, go ride. Get ran out of fuel, fuel it up again. All day, every day. That's what I used to do. Really? Yep.
0: Fuck that. That's got to play a big part into your fitness now too, right? Yeah, um, probably. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a I lot. It's <laughs> just bike time. Like, because you know they say it takes ten thousand hours to be like an expert or something. Like you probably had ten thousand. Yeah, hours Yeah, I, pro- I, I I I would
1: have learnt heaps of skills as well. Cause I was the youngest in my generation as well. All my cousins were coming riding, and they yep. were like. Growing up, you know, like on four, 400s and 426s, 450s. Mm. And I was on an 80. Like, felt like I was on an 80 forever because I mm. got on an 80 when I was 8, right? Oh, okay. Before that, I went from, like, KDM 50 to a... Dad's like, I'm getting your YZ80. It's time. So, I had a YZ80 and uh, it rode it till I was, like, 80s until I was, like, 14. But I had to keep up. Like, we were, like, out trail riding, Trail like, riding and stuff, yeah. On, like, log roads. So, like, really fast, straight stuff. And I had to keep up. So... And often it was it was quite wet that time, like in late nineties, real wet. Mm. So got a lot of mud riding in, and that's probably where those skills come from because like every day I was out riding, just riding in the mud,
0: whether it was raining or not. Yeah, what was it like then? Just how old were you when you went to Europe?
1: Uh, twenty one. Was, was 21. that the biggest culture shock? You've ever had? Nah, not really, because my mum's from Sweden, actually. Oh, really? And I'd done a couple of holiday trips when I was a, a bit younger. Ah, so you'd seen outside I'd, of I'd seen it, yeah, and yeah, I, right. I, I kind of knew what I was in for. But I wouldn't say it was a culture shock, but man, I was pumped to be there mm. for sure. Like just traveling Europe, different cultures in every country is actually really cool. In 2012, it was my first year there, it was, it was a really memorable year.
0: Yeah, because Todd has super fond memories of that that european experience as well yeah and um because it's so different and it's so different
1: man like we can't even explain it everything you do is different everything from where you eat how you sit what you do like when you get up what you see What what time you eat what yeah everything man like language culture everyone's persona um just everything dicks
0: out in the sauna yep yeah the, the Finnish dudes. yeah dicks out the gonna, sauna yeah, fucking love the day when we we're, <laughs> were in Thailand I had a guy from Finland I stayed with him for a couple days and then he's like okay bro I'm going for a shower now and I was like yeah man do your thing and I'm like sitting there like looking on my laptop and I, I fuck I had some video up or something and he just comes next to me fucking stands there arm on the table what you looking at man that looks very cool and his cock is just right there oh and like I'm just lucky that I know that Euros fucking love that shit yeah they don't care
1: man my first year when I rode for Ice One that's a Finnish team and they just freaky motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they just love their saunas right oh. so we're in Spain but they had a portable spawn, uh, a sauna and the boys were like yeah let's go for a sauna summer. I was like yeah that'd be sick and then I was like dude what, what I, do you wear I, I was to? jumping in there first so I was like what do you wear like just your jocks or your boardies or? and they're like man we don't we don't wear anything in a sauna you don't wear anything at sauna I was like whatever so I just went and me jocks in the sauna and then all the lads come in.
0: You're and the only fucking frigid bitch there with them. I'm the only <laughs> fucking guy there with me shorts off. I just felt like a knob.
1: I had uh, my shorts on. So next day, got the gear off, in there for the lads. That's how right. they do it. One of the boys. One of the boys,
0: yep. Cocks out with the boys. Except I didn't have a beer. They were drinking beers. Oh, dude. I remember like um, when when Roxen first moved over to the States, we had like this hot tub on the like you know where we lived in murietta right yep. like up on the hill and you could like see over we had the, like six set up every afternoon or every night we'd have like beers and in, in the in the hot tub fucking Roxanne used to come just kid off and like everyone at the like everyone at the house like fucking guys got like he didn't give a fuck it was so funny dude crazy german and i remember his dad the first time i met his dad too we were at uh motocross nations in colorado and then uh and then father comes down and just fucking just swinging and that's in, oh, the, mate. In, the, in the fucking hot tub. It's like, a spin out to start the with ages. They just don't
1: give a fuck. Nah, they don't care. It's that's cool, it. Like. That's how most of Europe is, really. They don't care. Yeah,
0: Europe doesn't give a fuck. Nah. It's sick. But yeah, old, old Todd, like, he talks about Europe all the time. And I guess that's why he just jumped at the chance to go back there this year. Like, yeah, for sure. Cool. It
1: looks like he has a good time over there. Like him and Jill, I've been following Jill. And man, they've been going to some cool places. I'm going to have to get some notes off them next time I go to Europe or at least mm. go for a holiday. I'm going to take some notes to see where to go because they've been going some
0: really cool places. Dude, Todd's always been that guy too. Like, even when we were kids, Todd's the guy that wants to go on adventures. Like, some of the retarded fishing trips and, like, just... They, him and Maddie, every year, and like their old school group of mates, they do the boys on tour. So the between Christmas and New Year's every year, they just fucking go off the grid, and like <laughs> the Todd's just always been the adventure kid. Like he just fucking frosts it so hard, and like because where they grew up, up at Atherton, it's just like unlimited waterfalls, unlimited dams, unlimited yep. rivers, unlimited creeks, fucking volcano craters. Like he was just that kid, and it's cool that he still did that in europe yeah it's just so much a part of who he is i spent
1: spent a bit of oh well not a bit of time i went to todd's place once um
0: i was gonna ask if you'd ever yeah when
1: uh, i did the queenslands at mariba in 2010 and we stayed there a night or two or something and man we went out wakeboarding and done done some cool stuff um i do a lot of that stuff down kogel as well we've got some cool mountains around the place i haven't lately i feel like i've been so fried from training this year but man we've got some some waterfalls and mountains and i'm usually up for something as well so like all the mountains you see like from my house i've walked yeah just there's no walking track man just straight through the bush straight at the top see what it's all about
0: that's sick yeah yeah i remember you were saying that we should have gone up there one of the days fuck it got so windy that day yep um that year when todd was on the podcast he was talking about how when you and him were in the open class it seemed like it was you two qualifying every moto whether he come and caught you or you caught him it just seemed like you guys were always together that year. oh
1: man me and todd go way back i think so 06 um was our first year like racing each other and he whooped me he, he kind of won everything i was second um and then that he actually he's part of the reason why i've i've made it so far i must say like he he pissed me off so much by beating me you know just whooping my ass as a junior that I remember I went into the off-season in the end of 06. I was like, I'm going to train like a demon. That's when I decided I'm going to I'm gonna race motocross. And he was on the back of my mind all the time. I'm like, I need to beat this kid. Like, I'm sick of it. And then coming out in the first race in 07, um, I remember in the first moto at Sunny State and Coolum. I can't my brains out just trying to beat him. But the second moto, I beat him. <laughs> and it was the first time I'd, I'd straight up beaten him. And since then, like, I, I believe, like, him and I just kept pushing each other to Mm. another level because we went straight into pro lights, um, did good, you know, and then into 450s, did good. And we just seemed like we were always there, always racing each other. Like literally everywhere we were on the track, he was there. I, I was on, yeah, where I was, he was. So, um and we carried that all, all the way to the Grand Prix, actually.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's what he said. He was like, yeah. dude, I just can't fucking... I couldn't get away from him.
1: Nah, it was ridiculous, man. And I did listen to his podcast and 100%... He was 100% right. Like,
0: what we, was that... What, there was that one moto he was talking about where, like, you guys just battled, like, the entire... Was, was it, like, Lommel or something like that? Um, Because I remember watching it, too, because I think the, the TV kept going back to you guys because you guys were passing people... But it's like you've both got a shit start or something, and you like came through the pack together. But the whole time you're come through the pack, you're actually passing each other
1: at the at the Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, I think it might have been might have been Lommel actually. Was it Lommel?
1: I think it was Lommel, man. Lommel in yeah fifteen, I believe. I believe we were coming through the pack, and yeah, I think you're right. But we kept passing each other.
0: Yeah, like you're passing each other the whole time, but passing other people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Lommel actually, Moto two, and I remember like. It was so rough that year, dude. It was unbelievable. Like, I don't know what it was, but I remember putting in a surge to get Todd and it was like everything I had and I'd get him and then just fall in a heap. Like, this is later in the moto. Like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, and then he'd put in charge and get me, man. We, ch- we passed each other so many times. It was ridiculous. And then I think I, I by memory in the end, I just hit a wall and he beat me right in the distance. I don't know, but that night actually was the first and only time I've ever thrown up from physical exhaustion. Really? Yeah, I went out to a restaurant with some mates and I was sitting on the gutter, just had the cold sweats and was not feeling good, eh? And I was sitting there for ages and then I I hadn't even eaten anything since like lunchtime because I, so, I was just so crook after the moto and just sitting there heaving, heaving on the side of the gutter just because I was that wrecked, never had it before, never thrown up from going hard training like that.
0: That's full on.
1: Mate, uh, that was next level. Like Lommel 15, if you want to watch a crazy race, go watch it. Yeah. The track was so, so heavy. I remember my lap time in that moto. Track got that rough and I got that tired that it dropped. My lap time dropped 12 seconds a lap. It
0: was just ridiculous. Holy shit. The track was just brutal, mate. That, like are the Euro dudes the baddest dudes at motocross do you think Yeah. overall yeah. like what they have to go through yeah the,
1: yeah well man one week you're riding on like the shittest most hard packed slippery dusty track you'd ever seen in your life next weekend you go to Lommel and you're dealing with beach sand then the next weekend you're dealing with mud then the next weekend you're dealing so the the elements they got to deal with and 20, 20 Grand Prix yeah. plus the travel too the travel yeah especially now like the, the Grand Prix season is nuts and the, the way it is now, just everyone's pushing each other at a high level. Like I, I believe you, Like the, the European guys are just another level of motocross now, at motocross.
0: Yeah. What do you, um, you think is going to happen at Red Bud? I think it's going to be a mudder, dude. I think it's supposed to like fucking I, piss down.
1: Oh man, I've seen the forecast. I hope not, but... Oh man, the way Hurling was riding, I wouldn't be surprised if he just waxes and by a mile. He's a fucking animal. Yeah, especially the second half of the season, mate. He's... Like it started season, him and Coroli are riding away from the field for, by thirty seconds, and mm. like this is the best motocrossers in the world. In the end, Car- like Hurlings mm. was riding right, away, right, yeah. just riding away by thirty seconds mm. over Coroli. He's just going so fast, ridiculous,
0: dude. I hope Mitch fucking kills it there. I hope he really. Opens oh yeah, I eyes. never
1: answered your question. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Mitch's gonna he's gonna do good, and you know what? Kirk went good last year, but still he flew under the radar. Like his yeah. performance there was unreal. So we've got a pretty good team, but I reckon they're their underdogs. Like they're kind of going to go unnoticed, but I reckon they'll get a good result.
0: Especially if it's muddy too, I reckon.
1: Yeah, we're pretty good in the mud, really. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's, and like, I mean, everyone this... thinks of Australia as like this barren, dry desert, no, know, deserty like... place, but like here on the east coast, it rains a lot. That's, yeah, and, and me... the difference is right. Like, there's a lot of private tracks, so if it if it rains, like like for instance, me, I can just go ride mud in my backyard mm. and i do um and I, i'm pretty decent at the mud at, in at of world stage like if it got muddy at the grand prix like me and todd would just be another level up yeah and i'm sure he's done the same thing but in in europe and america um there's only public tracks and they just close and they close the tracks yeah. yeah that's the difference like people don't realize how
0: good we've got it here mm. for, for riding for riding motocross yeah um what did you make of the chad reed thing with the motocross of nations Oh man, I think it was uncalled for. Like the way he called everyone out. Yeah, like
1: he should have. Just, I don't know. Maybe not said anything. Just I think that being a bit more grateful. Like mm. you know, poor old Mitch and Kirk and 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 the, the, and Hunter that got picked. Like they've earned that, and they're the fastest guys, I believe. Um, they didn't need to get roasted by Chad. Mm. He didn't need
0: to do that for sure. I think that like my feelings about it uh and and i wanted to talk to Kerry about it when he was on the podcast but i just forgot because he like said something about it and it's like i think Kerry who Kerry hart oh carrie Car- Car- yep. yeah yeah so he um he made a post about it as well and a bunch of big people got on the bandwagon after chad did it and i was like fuck man like on the one hand if chad like uh, if chad reed like sends me a text which like obviously it's not happening chad reed sends me a text and goes hey bro um man really really want to do like one last donations i'll i'll ride some motocross like what what do you reckon i'd go fuck yeah let's let's make it happen right so but instead of him texting me put that on instagram before the race post a picture of you writing or like a video of you at your house riding outdoors and say man this this would be my last motocross the nations ever it's in red bud i've fucking rode here for for years this would be the best send-off ever right would you feel like would you say fuck chad that's probably that's probably pretty sick for everything that you've done look i get it and it would have been cool but you know there's no, there's, for me, there's no way that if Chad trained, that he he couldn't be as good as Gibbsy outdoors or or Mitch. Like they're prop, they're riding better. They'd be fitter. Like, but in terms of of what Chad Reed has done for Australian motocross, what well, Chad I, has done, I think done, that was
1: the big question. Like, you know, Mitch's going good, Kirk's mm. going good, Hunter's obviously fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, we we don't need to introduce him. But like, man, Chad, you haven't ridden outdoors in so long, and. I don't know. I guess the the people on the
0: board needed proof. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if he got ahead of it, right, if he posted and fully took it serious and said, I'm going to train, I'm going to do this and do that, then like I feel like everyone would have been pretty on board. Yeah, right? maybe. But the, where
1: we're going with this is he probably went about the wrong, the wrong way.
0: Well, I think... Because at that, the moment, like people are like, you know, whatever. Well, when, you do, when you complain about something after the fact... Like, what, what I think is if he got ahead of it, put it out to the Australian public, MA could have, there's no way they could have left him off the team because of the public support that he would have got. Like, whether or not he's the best dude for the team at the time, I think is irrelevant. Because if Chad Reed says he wants to race one last motocross of nations and he says it months before and he did, you know, he'd done that one national. I think he did the one national after to kind of prove a point. He did, yeah. And he did good because it was a mutter. Like, if that wasn't a mud race, I don't think Chad Reed does as good, purely based on fitness. Like, the intensity, the speed, everything <laughs> just would have been way different. But if he comes out, gets ahead of it, gets an entire country excited, which people would have froth, man. People would have been fucking stoked for that. And then does everything the right way, even goes and puts a bit of effort into, like, Mitch and Hunter or Gibbs and Hunter and gets a bit of team vibe going, like... Because, really, there's not a lot of vibe around the Australian team. Like, we're kinda, we are kind of just send them over there and, like, watch the race. Yeah. There's not really a lot of, like... I mean, maybe you felt that, too, like, when you did Motocross Nations. It doesn't really seem like Australia fully you're, gets into it.
1: Yeah, you're right. Like, there, there would have been, a, like, a massive vibe about it. But I think the way that he put it out there afterwards, how pissed he was and this and that and, you know, torching the riders, like...
0: Uh, yeah that it yeah, was wrong man,
1: the way that he did it I think it would have lost a lot of fans like yeah. a lot you know a lot of people have followed him the whole life and then he does that and it's like oh, man that's not cool
0: and and the other thing too is like you gotta think of the, the economics of it all like a dude like Mitch is barely making any money like barely ma- he's fucking barely making money to race a motorcycle he goes to motocross the nations has a great result it might get him a ride in Australia it like that's his life like chad doesn't need that like chad's career isn't hinging on a good result at motocross nations so that's where i think it's unfair to like roast them and then almost bring like a negative light on a dude that like like he doesn't know fucking mitch he doesn't know his situation he doesn't know that if he doesn't get a ride the dude's going to live with his parents in fucking cans on a farm in Yeah. You know, there's so many layers to it, and I think it's yeah, very quick I, I wonder to just... What,
1: you, you, you sometimes wonder what happened behind the scenes. What didn't we see? What did, didn't we hear? You mm. know, what was said, you know?
0: But that's where I reckon if he put it out to the public, didn't even say anything to MA, just did like this massive Instagram, had a video of him riding outdoors... Ma, there's no way that they couldn't have picked him. They would have been so backed into a corner, regardless of who was racing and who was doing well. Yeah, but Ma,
1: I don't know. They, they would have been asking questions like, "Well, he doesn't have a
0: bike, so." But he, yeah, that's what. That's the thing too. He had to, you know, GGR and, and
1: also they might have been like, "Well, he's got five, six weeks, you know, if that long, can he be
0: fit?" The, exactly. That's what I mean. Like the whole way he did it, he needed to do it months ago. Yeah. Like as soon as Supercross finished, if if it because he made it seem like it meant so much to him. And it's like, if it did mean that much to you, why was it silent until the team was picked? And then you made a post saying that you were fucking disappointed. If it did mean as much as what you said, it would mean. And I do believe like, it, it's a shame for me in a way oh. that like, <laughs> she had a front fronty, over <laughs> the bars. It's
1: my daughter again. <laughs> yeah, she
0: did over the bars. Um, it, it is isn't like I think Chad's a dude that never really got like a proper send off in a way, like and then this year was a super rough year for him. Supercross wise, didn't really have much going on results wise, team wise. So it's like, it is a shame for everything that he's done to not actually have like that that real hero send off that he does deserve. Like yeah, the, the dude's a fucking hero.
1: Yeah, that I mean, um, but he's got supercross to do his send off which he'll do of course because yeah. he's racing next year and maybe for the next million years if, <laughs> for yeah. all we know but yeah. if next year is his last year that'll be the send off in the Supercross you know yeah. Um, but yeah he did want like he publicly said that he wanted the send off to be at Motocross
0: Nations So, mm. but again it's no no point when it's I don't, I don't five know. weeks to go and it, MA it, doesn't it, know if you're right or just, what
1: yeah I know that's right like MA might have had a different you know look look on it they're like no we want to send the best team especially in the, like, the economy we're in like we're out coaching, like me and Gibbsy and even other people like Cloudy and that, that haven't been on the team the last couple of years. We're out there doing coaching sessions so we can raise money to go yeah. to Red Bud. You know what I mean? So, MA might have been like, no, these these guys are putting the effort. We know they're fit, they're fast, they got bikes, they're going to yep. put, you know, they're ready to go. So, they might have been thinking, like, all right, well, we're, we're going to be serious about it since, you know, all these guys have been serious about trying to help us get there. You know, a lot of other people are in in motocross. You know, in the in the industry have been trying to raise money just to get
0: there. Mm. So I don't know. There's a there's yeah. There's definitely a lot to it. But I personally and I would have been campaign like man. If Chad Reed come out after Vegas and said, "All right, my next race is going to be motocross the nations. I'm not on the team yet. I'm going to do everything I can to get." I would have been pumping his tires up for the whole thing like because i i haven't really been super excited about motocross nations as an australian like it feels like it's really swept under the rug it feels like there's not a lot that kind of goes in terms of build up here so it's like it, it would have been cool i would have been campaigning for it yeah yeah we, we
1: kind of need something like every other country like for for grand, in grand prix for instance every country has their own riders over there so like the french people are going to cheer for the french guys yeah we're here in australia in the in the mx nationals and you know there's not it's not that big it's not like ama that you know yeah thousands of fans um they're all they're all just cheering their country where here it's like they're going to the nationals watch us go around they're not really cheering for anyone because they don't have a countryman or anything yeah you know what i mean and i think that's why it's maybe not as followed as the other countries or they're as passionate you know because Well, one, it doesn't come to Australia. Yeah. And I'm sure if it was, the Aussies would get behind it. But those guys at the Grand Prix or all those countries over there, they're, they're exposed to that year in, year out, yeah. watching their, their guys go good at their home Grand Prix. And then yeah. the nations come around and they've still got that same vibe yeah. and they get get their guys pumped up. And, and you know, America, it, you know. They're, they're s- as patriotic as it gets anyway. Oh, man. Anyway, so... Yeah,
0: they don't need help getting fired up. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's why Aussies are kind of like a, You know, like in football here, it's massive because everyone's got a football team. And but a state and a town. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're like here... <laughs> I'll just grab my daughter again.
0: <laughs> that's all good.
1: Well, yeah, like here, no, no one really has a f- favourite rider. I actually tried to change it a couple of years ago and um, bring out some merchandise, like Ferris merchandise. Try to you know get a few extra fans at the track and Mm. if they had a ferris shirt on they they might cheer for me yeah so um i think it worked a little bit like for instance at coolham with the with the crowd we had like i had a lot of people cheering for me and a lot of ferris shirts there yeah and i think it did change it but not every rider there has their own merchandise you know yeah
0: and and riders need to like Think about themselves as a brand more, like in the in the way that you did too, you know. But uh, there's probably like a lot of stuff you could do in terms of like you know even Fox making stuff for you and you know different brands getting behind it. But I wonder, I don't even know, if, are you allowed to sell merch at the events?
1: Um, I think if you set it up through you could, through Kevy, yeah. you could. But for instance, there's, there's like no money in merch anyway, especially yeah. at this level when there's not you're not, not selling a lot of not comedy. selling a lot. Like for instance, we we bought i don't know five six thousand dollars worth and we only just got our money back yeah because by the time you get it made it was like there's not much margin anyway Mm. so we basically got our money back we had a few few leftovers this year at coolham so i just gave them away Mm. like a whole bunch of jumpers and it it was hot but i (laughs) i convinced some kids to wear jumpers all day just to (laughs) have number one plates on on their back but yeah it's a whole lot of effort little reward you know what i mean it's not like it's not like going to supercross and you got 50,000 fans every weekend you could mm. really make killing doing that kind of stuff and it's worth the effort where here it was just we just did it to do something different
0: yeah righto mate well I don't know how long it's been but uh, it's fucking 6 o'clock holy time goes time goes by quick when you're having fun mate <laughs> really, dude I'm really really glad that you um, you come on it's been a really interesting chat man and you're a guy like I when I said to people oh Ferris is coming they're like oh he doesn't talk much but it's like it's
1: funny you say that like i don't practice for many people but when i do and someone comes down like for instance um richie evans come down this year and he's like saying this about that guy and this guy and have you heard this and that and that and i'm like dude i don't hear anything over the hills here because the only people that brings the news is like you You. if you come you know what i mean i'm like so what do you hear about me and he goes man you're actually a mystery to everyone no one knows what you do down there yeah so yeah there you go
0: hey it's a good way to be but you know I, it was cool for me like i said we did the fox shoot which is coming out soon everyone watch it it's fucking cool we had a good time but um yeah i had, a, I had an awesome time man there, there and i didn't know what to expect there either like we haven't had a lot to do with each other even when you're in america i didn't really see uh you know being attached yep. like a couple of same times but you know but you, you can see down there in coyote I, I got it pretty good like yeah man i gear up my
1: garage now because i just built a house out in the farm again and um I just I just roll out of my garage, straight down of my track and do my motos and then just roll back home. Yeah. That's how it goes. So I'm I'm pretty grateful I can do that. Like a lot of the guys over on the coast here that you know and, and mm. that's probably Well, why Richie, he,
0: man. Richie's moved back to because and same with Jats, cause it's like an hour and a half each way to ride and then it's like fuck this noise, I'm out. Yep. Yep. So um,
1: I'm glad I don't have to do that. You know, got the farm and I got heaps of people down there that I probably should thank while I'm on here. Yeah like everyone in Kyogle I know um, and grew up with and they all have they've all built tracks and sometimes just for me mm. just so I can go riding and it's yeah. never a problem to go riding there like often I'll just go riding at someone's place and just send them a message that I was there or just say good day when I get there so and I, at any one time I've got like I don't know half a dozen good tracks to ride but you have to be on the inside to know you know because yeah. they're private tracks so, really grateful that i've got that and um i think um i you know owe it to a lot of those people um my success that i've got that variety and got tracks and 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 the ease and then have no stress to to go or, or, or you know i don't have to travel so the commute time's less so i can put in more effort in my training anyway coyote a good place and i'm glad to come down and
0: no, you, you man, got I, to see it i enjoyed it dude i had a really good couple of days there and just hanging with vic and, and you know, the whole sort of little crew, Mick was there as well, we, we yep. had a good crew, and yeah, it was it was good, it was an eye-opening uh, little trip, because, um, I mean, like, yeah, like, we've known each other for so long, but just never really took that much time to kind of get to know you, I just kind of had one view of you as this kind of really closed dude that didn't say much, but, you know, we had epic yarns out at and I and I knew after that that you would be a really good guy to get on the podcast, so stoked you come on we talked for longer than i thought we would yeah so. thanks for the invite man no nah, appreciate it mate and good luck in the states i'll be uh getting up at three and watching you thank you See. You, <laughs>